and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my boyfriend to watch the musicals he should have seen by now and then we talk about them. I am the boyfriend. And I'm Drew. And today is another Sherman Brothers. Yeah. I feel like this one's going to make a lot more sense mm-hmm. of a few things I already like. Because this is a musical that has been referenced many a time in different forms of media that I like. Mm-hmm. So we famously have a scene in Ace Ventura, which apparently was <laughs> yeah, improvised. <we> did. <laughs> I watched that with you. I have not seen Ace Ventura Effect Detective. I, I have seen that specific scene. Watched them years and years and years ago. But yes, there's that scene improvised where Jim Carrey is singing. Yes. And he's singing the Chitty theme. Yes, which is hilarious. Yeah, like, as a sequence. Yeah. There's also a very famous Family Guy sequence mm-hmm. with a bag of weed. Yes, to which, the tune of Me Old Bamboo. Yeah, so that is from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's so many more other references. Even just in Family Guy. Just, yeah, Family Guy alone, there's going to be so many references to Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I know it's got Dick Van Dyke. Yes, indeedy. I know we have a flying car. I'm pretty certain that happened in American Dad. The where, flying um, car, yeah. Yeah, he, who was it? Um, Jeff marries Haley, and they fly off in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Like his van is Chitty. Yeah. So there's that reference. So we know that the car flies. How it flies, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I know that there's a child catcher. Who yeah. has a really weird nose. He has a big nose. But it's like misshapen. It's like a hooked nose. Yeah. yeah. It's what I pictured as a child pre-Harry Potter movies. That This is what I pictured Snape looking like. Because he's described as having long black hair and a hooked nose. So I, I was like the child Voldemort. catcher. So I was going to say that would be no. hilarious. Like Snape. one nose extreme to the next. <laughs> I don't quite know where all these different pieces of the chitty chitty bang bang puzzle fit in right because is that all you know about it you know that there's a flying car and there's a child catcher who goes around with a net catching children and i've seen one sequence where like he's going on the streets and someone's hidden in what looks like a jail cell type thing and they're like cowering in fear of him yeah you you hide your kids but people are actually scared of the child catcher yes but I also feel like people I've spoken to have told me how scared they were of the child catcher growing up. Yeah. But Jake was really scared of him. My brother, when we were little, he was really scared of the child catcher. But from what I've seen of him, it just seems so pantomiming. Oh no, he's only scary if you're a child. As okay. an adult watching this, you will not be afraid of him. It's because he's creepy looking. Yeah. And he tricks children into getting kidnapped. But I don't know if their adventures with the child catcher exist in the real world or if like Dick Van Dyke takes children into some like fantasy land. Okay. Like in Mary Poppins. Yeah. Like in in the sense of it's a journey and whilst they're journeying, something bad happens. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, obviously cars don't fly in real life. But certainly child catchers don't exist. But also, like, the nose that he has, that's not a nose that people in real, the real world could have. So I don't know where they blend. 
It is a prosthetic in the film, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know if it's all fantasy. I don't know how these these these, these puzzle pieces fit together. Well, we're going to find out. I also know that Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was written by Ian Fleming. Yes. Who famously created James Bond. Yeah. Do you know why he wrote it? Was it a story for his children? Yes. It was a, fly, a story about a magical flying car that he would tell to his son when his son was little. And then in 1961, he had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And in fear of not being able to tell these stories to his son anymore... He wrote them up as a novel and he had to write them longhand because his wife had confiscated his typewriter to force him to rest. So instead he like wrote, physically wrote the novel of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, The Amazing Flying Car. And it's only one novel, but it's like loads of short stories. Yeah. There's all the stories about the adventures they get up to on the car. The novel wasn't published until 1964, which is after Ian Fleming had died. And it became one of the best-selling children's books ever. And Albert Broccoli, who produced the James Bond films, based on his other novels, read it and was like, I don't think this will do. I don't think we can make a movie out of this. And then Disney released Mary Poppins. And he was like, oh, okay, we should do this. So Sherman Brothers have done Mary Poppins. Yes. But not Bed Knobs and Broomsticks yet. No. Is this their kind of middle mm-hmm. film? Yeah, it's in between. Yeah. Yeah, so they were going to have Earl Hamner complete a script for it. Yeah. And that was sort of going around. However, they then announced that Albert Broccoli was going to be producing it and he got rid of Hamner. He hired instead. Ken Hughes, who was going to direct it and work on the script, and Roald Dahl. Because that children's book also, why not? Well, Roald Dahl also helped write the screenplay for You Only Live Twice, which is a Bond film. Yeah, he did a lot of script doctoring. Yeah, so he probably is working in-house with the Broccolis. Mm -hmm. Because to this day, the Broccolis still have the uh, majority of production and distribution rights for Bond. Yeah. Which is why, like, the whole Amazon Prime buying MGM deal, mm-hmm. people are still curious as to, well, what does that mean for James Bond? Because the Broccolis are so insistent. James Bond isn't being streamed somewhere. They're so insistent on that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, perhaps Roald Dahl is working with them exclusively like he does script doctoring for broccoli productions yeah so we have so yeah this started life as a film first yes it was a movie first they announced in 1966 that Dave Van Dyke was hired to play the lead hot off Mary Poppins then that they're very much looking at Mary Poppins as this is the this is what we want to create this is our Mary Poppins. Yes, but he had signed a multi-picture deal with United Artists, and this was the first of those yes. uh, movies. They then hired Sally Ann Howes to play the female lead. You will recognise her. I do recognise her. her. I recognise the name, but I could not tell you. Well, she's been in a load of different 
West End musicals. Yeah. Including the BBC streamed television version of Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. Okay, well, I haven't seen that one. I know you haven't, but her name would have come up when we talked about her it. Her name definitely rings a bell. She played Eliza Doolittle. In My Fair Lady. Yes, indeed. She was in, and she would have come up when we talked about that as well. She has been in loads and loads of different things. However, she was also in a, a spoof musical TV series called Prudence and the Chief, which was a spoof based on The King and I with plans to then become spoofs of other That's a great idea. movie musicals. Which I think is a great idea. Yeah, like each series you parody a different thing. Like That's what High School Musical, the musical, the series should be. Mm-hmm. You know, that each season they're developing a brand new show, but it becomes more like yeah. about that as well. And she was in the original Anna Karenina. Cool. Yeah. She's a, a very well-treaded actress. Was this her debut performance or like debut film performance? No, not at all. She'd been in a bunch of stuff before okay. this. Actually, she was in less films after this. She was in more stage shows. Okay. Which is interesting. She, normally it happens the other way around. Was she known for her singing ability? Yeah, she was okay. known for being a stage performer beforehand. And then, yeah, they hired the Sherman Brothers to be the music and lyrics for this film. And what about the children? How, did did their careers go anywhere? Or are they very similar to the children from Bedknobs and Broomsticks where they had their moment in the spotlight, but it was just a moment? So for the children, we have Adrian Hall as Jeremy Potts. He was on the list every single year for MCM Expo, which is the London Comic Con. Yeah. I remember like being like 14 or 15 and his name coming up and me being like, oh, hey. It's Jeremy, which is great. The kids in this are called Jeremy and Jemima Potts. Cool. Which is great. And then we have Heather Ripley uh, playing Jemima, and she became a anti-nuclear activist and eco-campaigner. She basically turned her back on the film industry and did not do anything. But that's cool, because she's got a very successful career and a very important career by the sounds of it. Yes, and Adrian Hall afterwards did a few different things, but that was only up until 1983. And then he um, was the principal of the Academy of Live and Recorded Arts. Cool. Until he resigned in 2021. So, still left the, that, that industry, but actually is now responsible for moulding, you know, mm-hmm. the next generation. Also was cool. born in the town that we live in. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So, the Sherman Brothers, when they come on. Yes. When they started the process of adapting Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Mm -hmm. was it always planned to be a musical or was it the Mary Poppins inspiration? Or was was it halfway through the kind of development? They're like, this should be a musical. It had the script already. Some of the writing in the book lent itself really well to being songs. Some of the characters had little poems that they would say and rhymes that they would say. Yes. Like the child catcher. And so it just lent itself very nicely to being a musical. And also off the back of Mary Poppins being so popular, going from a book that had no musical aspects other than these little poems to a hit musical, they also wanted to take this the same way. Fair. Who plays the child catcher? 
Childcatcher is played by Robert Helpman, which is a hilarious name. Helpman! Yep. He was in The Red Shoes, Don Quixote. He was a dancer. Cool. He's a ballet dancer. Very famously. So, how long does this film take then from that development? So, once they get Dick Van Dyke, mm-hmm. once they get the Sherman Brothers, is it a very quick process? So, Dick Van Dyke and the Sherman Brothers signed on in 1966. Filming started in 1967 at Pinewood Studios. And then the movie was released in 1968. Cool. So very, very quick process. Once the wheels on Chitty start going, mm-hmm. this car's going to soar. It's not going to kind of start a mid-flight just drop down. Yeah. And its premiere was in London on the 16th of December. It's a Christmas movie. It does feel. It does feel like a Christmas movie. It's always on TV at Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, because... Obviously, we're, we're covering this summer, for those of you from the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is summer, but it's because it's summer bank holiday, and this feels like that kind of bank holiday family feature. It's a feature. chill family feature. How was it received when it came out? Because I know that you have a stage show of it now. Mm-hmm. So presumably there's been a level of success if people were like, well, hey, we can adapt this and tour it. Um. So when it came out, Time magazine reviewed it with this opening line that said, it's a picture for the ages, but those ages are between five and 12. (laughs) Which, first of all, whoever that reporter is, that's great. What a great line. However, the journalist had an issue with how childish this came off as, which, duh, and said that while this was a very child-friendly film... It had a lot of themes that children are already aware of and know how to deal with in movies, which is a good thing. And that while all the other films that were coming out at that time had violence and sex as their best-selling notion, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is better simply because it's not bad. Which It's like wholesome. Yeah, which I think is a really nice way of putting it. This is a really wholesome movie cool and there's nothing wrong with that you know i think musicals and media should be accessible for everyone you Mm -hmm. know um and i think the same with most genres there's an element of they should be accessible for everyone however you do need to compromise you know when you're looking at different ages so the jack black goosebumps Mm -hmm. is a good horror film children yes is it going to scare adults no it isn't but the target demographic is for children and as a my first horror it's enough to introduce you to the tropes without Mm. it ever causing very real distress yeah in the same way that musicals have to start somewhere how do you ignite a passion for the medium at a young age Mm -hmm. that will then inspire the the rest of their life and i guess chitty chitty bang bang yeah because it's hits, not too dumb this hits all of the fairy tale tropes yeah. and all of the kids musical tropes and that is a good thing this is kids first musical also, in a good way you know into the woods i liked it i couldn't see myself watching that with young children and then enjoying it the same way it's long the songs aren't that catchy mm-hmm you know what I mean? Yeah. 
And yes, because it's a Disney one, you'd be kind of forgiven for thinking, well, this is a family film. It's not. And I can't think of any musicals that we've really watched other than Mary Poppins Returns and Mary Poppins and Bedknobs and Broomsticks mm-hmm. that I think would have that vibe for children. And I think it is important. Yeah. So. So. They made a stage musical. Yes. How long between 1968 and release was there? Uh, the show premiered at the London Palladium on the 16th of April, 2002. Wow. That is a long time. However, it was directed by Adrian Noble with a book by Jeremy Sams, so different people, Yeah. with music and lyrics by the Sherman Brothers, who were, at the time, both still alive. Did they and... write new songs for it? Yep. Cool. The original film has 10 songs, and the stage musical has 28-ish. Wow. Ish. Depending on which version you're... Well, in the same way that Andrew Lloyd Webber has changed Cats, has changed Starlight Express. Obviously. Yeah. And they add and remove songs for whether it's playing in the UK or in America and things like that. However, when it premiered at the London Palladium, we had staging and choreography by Gillian Lynn. Nice. Amazing. With Michael Ball in the lead role. Wow. Emma Williams as the lead female role, and then George Gillies, amongst other children, as Jeremy, and Carrie Hope Fletcher as Jemima. Seriously? Yeah. Wow, okay. Yep. That's that's amazing. So this is something that has stood that test of time mm-hmm. and has gone on to have, like, a new legacy. Yep. I'm surprised that this... And I guess I shouldn't be because Family Guy and... Ace Ventura. I am surprised that the stage show would have gone to America. Like it, considering how British this seems, mm-hmm. it's it does surprise me that there is that success abroad. However, like Jim Carrey being Canadian, you know, he would have would have perhaps seen it because there's perhaps more of the British aspects in Canada. I don't know. Maybe, but... It just feels like this is one that wouldn't translate well, but you've got Dick Van Dyke and hot off, like, the Mary Poppins hype. Mm-hmm. So, of course it's going to be, like, successful. Yeah, and when it opened on Broadway, they had Raul Esparza playing the lead role, where Michael Ball was the, the UK version. Raul Esparza's a phenomenal performer. Mm. I've showed you clips of him in Company. Yeah. And also Hannibal, in which I love him. But... They had just a very good cast for the Broadway one and also won a Guinness World Record for the most expensive stage prop ever. In Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It's the car. It was £750,000. Isn't it cool? Mm-hmm. Just on a completely different like side tangent that's just clicked. We saw Cinderella at the Gillian Lynn Theatre and obviously Carrie Hope Fletcher is debuting Cinderella there. Yeah. Like, that's so cool that, you know, I wonder how many more links there are between Gillian Lynn and Carrie Hope Fletcher. Probably loads. Probably far more than you realise, mm-hmm. but that that's very, very cool. Yeah. And the Palladium is a, such a beautiful place anyway. Yeah. But in order to run Chitty and get the actual, the physical car to fly and work, 
they had to remove the revolving stage mm. from the Palladium and so just to accommodate the car yeah just the car none nothing else just that car i guess that's the thing is you it's like when when you have the aladdin musical the thing people are wanting in that is a whole new world like they want to see how the carpet works Mm -hmm. if you get that wrong kind of the success and i will say i have seen this i have seen so i've seen chitty Mary Poppins and Aladdin, all in different theatres, but they all include a flying prop. Yeah. Mary Poppins, obviously, she flies and you have Bert walk up and around the set where he walks upside down across the top of the stage, which is incredible. And you have the Chitty car. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is by far the best flying Thing I've ever seen on stage. Yeah. Mary Poppins is second with her flying out over the audience. Incredible. And I felt really let down by the magic Well, that, that was my comparison is because I saw Aladdin and I felt let down because I've, I've said it before on this podcast, but I've seen pantomimes that do that better, Yeah, you know, as a set piece. And the success of something like this hinges on you getting that set piece right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even going to the trailers that I've seen of Spider-Man Web of Darkness. Yeah. Or whatever the Broadway one's called. The clips I've seen of the web singing are pretty cool. Yeah. I wouldn't have been disappointed watching it. I'd been like, wow, this is cool. That's Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. If I was a kid watching it, having Spider-Man off a balcony next to me starting the swing, that would have been so amazing. Mm-hmm. And I would know how disappointed I'd be. With something like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, if you watch it and you're just like, huh, yeah, I don't buy it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's so important that you get it right. Hmm. Have you seen this one live then? Yes, I have. Was that a whole family thing? Was that a Boxing Day family thing? Um, I don't think it was a Boxing Day one. We tend to stick to cinema for Boxing yeah. Day. But it was definitely a family outing when I was a kid. And it was... Very good. But it was the Michael Ball Carrie Fletcher one because it was in 2002, three. When but, you were seven or eight. Yeah. And you remember it. Yeah. So doesn't that speak volumes? I remember Mary Poppins much more vividly because there's a clown in that. And yeah. because of that, I'm absolutely terrified of clowns. But again, though. But then you have my brother who's terrified of the child catcher. I wonder if that stems from this He was a little bit younger, yeah. More than... Because if you were seven or eight, he'd have been five or six. Mm-hmm. So... That would be proper, like, Doctor Who in the 60s hiding behind the sofa. Oh, and the child catcher came out into the audience, too. He didn't stay on the the stage. He came out because... And all the kids would, like, cower to get away from him. So there's an element of... You know how sometimes you buy premium seats because you're like, I want want (laughs) the Time to traumatise my kids. Yeah, time to traumatise my kids. I've Mm -hmm. been telling you for years, if you don't behave, the child catcher will get you. Spend all this money... To be, like, in the stalls so the child catcher comes right by them. So that he'll interact with you, yeah. Yeah. And then they'll behave for the rest of your your life, Mm -hmm. hopefully. What are you thinking in terms of my response to this one? Is this one I'm going to like? Is this one going to be a drag? When was the last time you watched Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Probably three years ago at Christmas. And has it aged well? I love Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I think this is such a good show. It's a great movie and a great musical and all of the songs get stuck in my head all of the time. 
I think even like my mum who loves musicals, some of the songs in this, she's like, oh, this one, this is the boring song. And I'm like, no, this is beautiful. I want this song. I want to hear this song. You know, I don't have a skip it song for this film. Interesting. Well, yeah. we're going to have to get one, so you have to watch it. I know, right? <laughs> well, I guess it's time to uh, put the seatbelts in and find out if it's a chitty chitty bang bang, I love you, or if it's chitty chitty bang bang, I'm mad at Drew for mm-hmm. making me watch this. Yes, we are off. We will be port out, starboard home, and posh with a capital P. As always, I don't know what that means, but we will be back <laughs> after the intermission. A gentleman's got a walking stick, a seaman's got a gaff. And the merry men of Robin Hood, they used a quarter staff. On the Spanish plains, inside their canes, they hide their ruddy swords. But we make do with an old bamboo, and everyone applauds. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, hey, me old bamboo, me old bamboo, you better never bother with me old bamboo, you can have me hat or me bumper shoe, but you better never bother with me old bamboo. And we are back. We sure are. We have had a wild ride and returned unscathed by the Vulgarians. There's so much of this, like, I didn't expect. But now that the jigsaw puzzle of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is complete, it does seem to make more sense. How much of it were you like, what is happening right now? There's one point right around the middle that I'm starting to get a bit like, what is this? And we'll talk about it. Is that when they start kidnapping Grandpa? Yes. (laughs) That's exactly that point where I'm like, I'm really not sure on the rules of what's occurring right now. Yeah. And I'm not kind of happy with where it's going right now. Mm. And I think, you know, as we talk about it, especially when we get to the end, Mm -hmm. I'll talk about why I don't think that works completely. This film is perfect. No, I don't think it works. And I'll explain, I'll explain what I mean with that just to keep you on like, you know, the edge of your seat for the next hour that we talk. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it overall. Yeah. How can you not? This is such a charming movie. It's very charming. I would say it's not perfect. Rude. I, I don't think it's perfect. Mm-hmm. I think the opening is an incredibly weak opening. Right. As we go through this, obviously I'm going to be like, Here's what they do in the stage musical, because I have since watched the making of the stage musical and heard the Sherman Brothers and um, members of Ian Fleming's estate and the directors talk about why they made the changes that they did. And the way that the stage show opens is with a parody on Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, where they sing, oh, there never was a car, there never was a car like this great car, and they're singing about the panther which is the name that chitty has as a racing car and it opens with this massive racing event where the entire cast is on stage as just members of the random english public cheering for this racing car that's going to win england the grand prix and singing that song and it's a huge number 
Whereas in this, it's quite slow. Yeah. We get the overture. I think it's all well and good you saying that we're going to talk about what the stage show does. I'm going to, yeah. However, the difference is this came first by about 45 years. Mm -hmm. So we have to judge this without... It's not like they've taken the stage show and adapted it to a film... No, my and point, made some weird choices. My point is, like, either way, whichever one comes first, when you're adapting it, whether that is from stage to screen or screen to stage, you're going to change things you to are make it make better. Some if you changes, look at Mean yeah. Girls, the stage show of Mean Girls, I think, is better than the film. Yeah. Because they made changes that updated it. And I completely it. agree with that. But we're talking about the uh, film version of Chitty Chitty oh, Bang Bang. And I think it's far more different when you say, when we're watching a film... And then you say, in the stage show, they do this. Especially if the stage show came first, because then we question, well, why would you make such a change? Mm -hmm. This is an idea that they thought was a good way to introduce us to this world when they made this film. With no other context, the fact that they've changed it for the stage show proves my point that this is a really weak opening. Yeah, I'm saying I agree with you. (laughs) I, um, I, I wondered if you had secretly recruited me to watch the Fast and the Furious, the musical. Mm-hmm. Because we're starting with Grand Prix, you know, we have the British GP in 1907, then we go to the French one, 1908, Germany, 1908, and then another British GP. As a kind of opening, I was cool with the idea of the first one with the British GP. I thought it was pretty cool. I think if we open just with the last one where Chitty gets burnt up, yeah, we would be fine. Yeah, because... I'm thinking it's went, oh, okay, it's Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, a racing car. Mm-hmm. I am given no context through this sequence. We watch four races where people crash and keep going. We've got no idea what's going on, who these people are, why I should care about them, mm-hmm. until a car crashes. Yeah, so the, the driver for the Panther, the English Grand Prix driver, he swerves to avoid a little girl who runs onto the track to grab her dog yep. and goes off of the road through a gate and the car just burns yes. up pretty immediately. But why should I care? Is my big like question and problem with this as a sequence. Had you had some newspaper headlines, you know the really awesome trope you get. Yeah. <laughs> Give me something. Give me some narration. Give me a song. Something that explains why we're watching this. Dick Van Dyke does quite a lot of narration in this film. Yeah, like he has some nar- over-the-top narration. He could have, we could have had some narration here. Him telling them a bedtime story about the panther. Why not have it be Mister Coggins telling the story about this car? Yeah, something because it's five minutes of the film. Mm-hmm. Any interest I had is already starting to dip because we're getting no context. Yeah. It is a nice way to introduce this world to us, the history. It's just not executed well. We get the overture, we get the credits, fantastic. But can we have a little bit of narrative? Yeah. I do like in this sequence you get the footage being sped up. That's quite fun when you see everyone rushing forwards. But it just after the third like Grand Prix, I was bored. And I thought, oh no, is this going to be the whole film? Mm-hmm. Or is, is is this film just going to really disappoint? It, it's not a good start. But it's worth persevering through because it does get better. And yeah. like you say, they've obviously thought in 2002, how do we improve this? And they, that by the sounds of it, great idea. A song about how this is Britain's biggest hope. That's a great idea. We flash forward. I don't know what year this is. 
1910. So it's only the been last, a year? Yeah, the last race was 1909. And this is set in 1910 because there are two things that happen in this film that are anachronistic. One, truly doesn't dress right. She's yeah. the only character that is not dressed correctly for the year that we're set in. If she's as rich as she's supposed to be, she would not be dressed like this. She's dressed like it's 1901, 1902. Yeah. And two, <laughs> Grandpa keeps referring to the Queen, but in 1910 it was the King. But also he's a bit batty, so like we're fine with that. Well, probably because he remembers Queen Victoria. Yeah. When is it explicitly said that this is 1910? It isn't. It's in yeah. the research I did. Right, so there we go. So that for me is an issue. I don't know what year this is. I imagine it says it in the book. But yeah, you're right. I don't think they ever say it. Yeah, there's something, you know, it's difficult when you're looking to build a world and we're missing out on all this. And like you say, there's some anachronistic stuff there. Mm-hmm. I just, and I know it's stupid stuff. This is a kid's film. I'm looking at it with 31-year-old eyes and, you know, a film studies degree. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a valid point. How am I supposed to be absorbed in this world when I don't understand the rules of it, but I also don't actually know when this is? But also, why does it matter? It just does. Okay. I can't explain it. For me, it does. Because I'm I'm not going to be able to spend my disbelief if I'm asking these questions. Sure. If it's a barrier to that, just just put up a little bit of a subtitle that says England 1910. England 1910. Yeah. What harm does that do? Oh, well, it would annoy me. But, you know, I hate that that's a thing at the moment. I know. But even if you have something explaining, like, again, some narration, you know, and, and it's been a year in that car, like something that just says a year later. Or even if Mr. Coggins says, oh, no, no, he does. He does say it's 1910. Does he? Yes. Okay. He says that car burned up in the Grand Prix a year ago. Okay. So, yeah. Fine. Fair. Okay. I, did, I missed that one, clearly. Yeah. I was I was more enamoured with the I knew there was a reason. That that was uh, Desmond Llewellyn. Yeah. Of James Bond fame. Yes. Uh, Q, mm-hmm. who is, you know, uh, a big part of my childhood. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's fantastic seeing him work with another Ian Fleming property with the, the broccolis, you know, and... Yeah, he is Q, who is in every Bond film from from Russia with Love, the second James Bond film, up to The World Is Not Enough with Pierce Brosnan, bar one film. Yeah. Which I I think is absolutely incredible that he was in this. And I didn't recognise him. (laughs) I'm very ashamed to admit I didn't recognise him until later, but it's such a cool little thing to have. So we have Jeremy and Jemima Potts in the car playing because it's their car that they always play in they live down the road from this junkyard and clearly no one's buying it no one's been interested in a year in this car so yeah it is essentially scrap has the junkyard just literally popped up and been built around where the car crashed because the way the 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 transition goes from the burning car into the present day it is like he just built around the car just was left there i think he he collected it because we see later on you can it does wheel like, you can wheel it away yeah. from where it is, and that's fine. Admittedly, you need a horse, but you can wheel Yeah, it, it doesn't away. go, but, you know. But, yes, the uh, junk man comes along and says that he would like to buy it for scrap metal, and he's going to burn it down in a fiery furnace and, and turn it into down. iron. Yeah. And Mr. Coggins sells it for 30 bob. 
shillings, yeah. Great, you know, that's it's fantastic. a lot of money. It is. The children go up and they start complaining to uh, the scrap man, being like, why are you buying it? Why would you do this to her? She's our car. And the man's like, if you don't leave it, there'll be more than one murder. Oh, yeah. they say the children. They say... If you burn her in your fiery furnace, that'll you'll be guilty of murder. And he says, yeah, and if you don't get out of my way, I'll be guilty of two more murders. It's one of those awesome things that it's like kid logic, but also like adults speaking to kids. Yeah. There's no intent of murder. It just like... I hope. ...goes along with what they're saying enough that they'll just get out of the way. Exactly. But they go up to Mr. Coggins and they say, oh, but you, you promised it was ours. You promised you, you wouldn't sell her. Yep. And they make an agreement with Mr. Coggins that... If their dad has 30 shillings, Mm -hmm. that he can buy the car. And I like the fact that he's quite willing to accept the same. It's not like it has to be 31 shillings. It's 30 shillings. Fine. Whoever gets it first. Gets it first. I I like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I feel bad for the scrap man. You know, who's... I don't know. Somebody else came along first. Too late. But he's... What's he going to (laughs) do? I don't know. We never see. I don't, but I like that about something where you have characters that we never need to see again. They exist to serve a purpose there and then, but we don't mm-hmm. need to see them again. Yeah. I do sense a theme, though, already in this film, of near-fatal collisions. Mm-hmm. We've just seen a girl and her dog cause Chitty to crash. Yep. And we immediately see the children dash out and they nearly get hit. And instead, a woman drives into a pond. Yeah. And then very neatly reverses out of it. But why would you do that the first time and not the, not later on? Which we'll talk about when we get there. But we, we have established now that truly scrumptious can reverse her car. Yeah. Strange danger, well and truly ignored. Because these children immediately get into the car with truly. <laughs> At the risk of sounding really bad. It's not like they couldn't get out of the car if they wanted to. There's no doors. No. It's not like they're locked in. And again, different era. Mm -hmm. You know, that looking at with modern sensibilities, you would turn to your kids, you'd pause and be like, right. If anybody ever says that, you do not get in the car. Yeah. But, you know, in 1910, that wouldn't have been as much a concern. Everybody knows everybody. Mm -hmm. But also, I guess in the 1960s, 1970s. Yeah. Maybe they weren't thinking with their safeguarding hats on. Truly is truly angry that these children aren't in school and is going to have some choice words for their father, who I assume mm-hmm. at this point is Mr. DVD himself. Dick yeah. Van Dyke. <laughs> yeah. And we go up the hill to their castle. It's not a castle, but it is a beautiful Oh my god. Little bit of land. I literally turned to you and was like, I would die to live in this house. It does look great. You've got like the so little nice. windmill, mm. the little farmhouse for inventing, and then you've got uh, Grandpa's outhouse. Grandpa's, what do they call it? Hut. Yeah, it's Grandpa's an outhouse. Hut. <laughs> and then, you know, the main building. And out comes quirky, eccentric Mr. Potts. Mm-hmm. He's an inventor and he is trying to fly. He's built He's, a rocket. Yeah, rockets. Yeah, which don't work. No, because they're fireworks. Yeah. It's like a scene in Jackass. Okay. Completely like a scene in Jackass that I watched the other day. I was just thinking. Except he's a highly intelligent man who's using this for actual useful reasons and not an adult idiot trying to get themselves hurt. Exactly. 
I was expecting this to go worse. Yeah. And it doesn't. You know, he goes up. Edison, the dog, chases after him. <laughs> he turns Edison. around and then he goes back down and it's just zoom, zoom, zooming all over the place. Mm-hmm. Everyone's laughing, having a great time and truly is... Immediately Truly panicking. panicked. Yeah. Because why is everyone laughing? Why is no one helping? Gets out of the car, fills up a bucket with some water, throws it on the fireworks, grabs another bucket, throws it in Dick Van Dyke's face. Yep. And Dick Van Dyke is such an excellent reactor. Yeah, he really is. Like, there's a lot of mannerisms to Mr. Potts that are so amazing. There's a brilliant bit in a moment where he's like, dressing and he's just fiddling with his fingers on his waistcoat mm-hmm. it's such a small thing doesn't really add much but it just makes me feel like he's a real person yes and i feel that a lot about everyone in this film especially the kids yeah they feel like real people these are real children yeah. acting like children it's a lot better than mary poppins and bed knobs and broomsticks in that way because they act like actual kids yeah mm-hmm. they you know everyone acts like a real people they're even when we get to the fantastical elements, they feel real, mm-hmm. which is, is quite nice. There's a nice bit where they're arguing, you know, why did you do this? Did you not know that my uh, outfit is fireproof? Well, I didn't know. Well, you should have known. You yeah. know, some really lovely interaction. Immediately, I know they're going to be love interests. Obviously, they Obviously. don't get on. You know, um, yeah, he doesn't mind that they're not in school. He says a really nice line because it will give the other kids a chance to catch up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love that line. Yeah, these are smart children, and obviously they're going to be smart because of the environment they're around. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're in a a thinking environment. Yeah, they're in an environment where education is clearly a priority, and using your brain is clearly a priority. Mm-hmm. And I really like it when we go into the farmhouse and we see the things he's working on. He's not this crackpot. Which I thought he was going to be based on the stuff of the rockets. I feel like that's a bad introduction to him. Because... But that's the point. She gets a bad introduction yeah. to him. And therefore she thinks all of his inventions are stupid. Whereas if he'd started with the toot sweet machine. Or with the vacuum. She'd have been like, actually, with a couple of kinks worked out, this could be good. Yeah, and I guess that's important. But it just I, I feel like it sets us up the wrong way with this character as well. Yes, but am truly I supposed to insert character. Is she? Yeah. There's a lot of different insert characters in this, and I'd actually wager the insert characters are the children. Well, yeah, that too. So I don't... It's weird, because we look at him with this hero worship from the children's perspective, only to then see the adult's perspective of him. Hmm. And I feel like it's crossed hairs a little bit. But yeah, he's inventing a vacuum. It doesn't work yet, but he's working out the kinks. He's trying to uh, create a device that will send moving pictures. So television, for lack of a better term. Yeah. He's working on a sweet-making machine that would rival Willy Wonka. Mm-hmm. It's very, very cool. He's got a lot of ideas and a lot of sound ideas. Yeah. And I do really like their dynamic, the way they bicker with each other. Like, it is quite a fun dynamic without it coming across too hurtful and she leaves Mm -hmm. she's had enough of him for the day nearly breaks one of his machines on the way out yeah of course yeah and then he goes to uh get the children ready for the night Mm -hmm. and they have a really nice dynamic i don't know if i missed it but they never talk about where mum is no, but Dick Van Dyke was a wedding ring all the way through this I movie. I noticed that. Yeah. So they never actually talk about what's happened. So I assume he's widowed. Well, he mentions 
later on in some sort of like offhand dialogue to truly that he was everything bottle washer like bottle feeder blah like all these things yeah but bottle feeder is the one that stands out because that implies that she died when they were babies and are they twins yes cool they're not in the state show no but they look similar i tell you what it's great casting as well because they look similar yeah so, yeah, we never learn what's happened. Mm-hmm. I guess it being the early 1900s. How old would you say these kids are at this point? Six or seven? I was going to say seven or eight. Yeah. I feel like eight. So, basically, uh, very, very early 1900s. Mm. <laughs> Twins being born, medicine is not going to be good enough. It's not female medicine. Yeah. So it's <laughs> a very safe assumption that she died giving birth then. Yeah. Because he's bottle feeder, he's everything. Mm-hmm. And it speaks volumes to his dedication that he has raised them alone. Yeah. With grandpa, but he's raised them alone mm-hmm. and has still been dedicated to his wife. Yeah. And I, you can tell that there's a really sweet family dynamic here because our first song is You Two. Mm-hmm. You know, the children are very supportive of his dreams, he's very supportive of his children. This is the first, we're going to get straight off. There's mm-hmm. three Family Guy references in this one that I counted. This is the first. When you say Family Guy references... Okay, things that I knew from Family Guy that straight away was like, oh, hey, I've seen this before. Mm-hmm. Me Old Bamboo isn't the only song that they've pretty much just stolen. Yeah. Because we've got uh, U2 becomes You've Got James Woods. Yep. Which, you know, is a very fun... and. Danny made me listen to that song afterwards and they have, have not changed any of the lines. They just changed you two to James Woods. Instead. James Woods, exactly. So I I knew this one a lot more. It was like that moment in The Wiz where you're like, how <laughs> you're do like, you know, I know this? this song. <laughs> it's a lot nicer here. Mm-hmm. You know, it is a lot nicer. It's a weird reference to have, you know, in Family Guy. Mm-hmm. But this is a really nice sequence. You know, you, you do get the impression they are an actual family. Yeah. I liked this. It's a good opening number you know it's not high energy and i've criticized things in the past mm-hmm. we needed a song at the beginning but this is a nice song for our characters to show us these characters and their family funnily enough in the stage show there's a reprise immediately after this called them three and it's sung by grandpa and he sings i have them three i like that <laughs> and he sings it on his own they're not in it well <laughs> it's really he's funny. very clearly on the outside because we've got this really cool rube goldberg-esque machine yes and it makes the three of them their sausage and eggs. Hey, if you don't help set the table, you didn't get any dinner. In fairness, no one set the table. The machine did it. No, it didn't. They set the table. Okay, they put... The... No, they got the blanket and the plates and the forks and everything. Grandpa was upstairs in India. <laughs> okay, well, it, it shows that there's very much a closeness with these three. And he is very much on the outside because he just gets an egg. Yeah. And Dick Van Dyke is like, oh, I wonder how that happened. <laughs> yeah. He, but he, and this is it. We're starting to see small things. Like, yeah, he's got these really good ideas and he's mm-hmm. a sound inventor. There's just little things that need to be tweaked. Yeah, with every single thing he's done. And my I first, like that. My first fun fact of this film, Lionel Jeffries, who plays Grandpa, yeah. is actually six months younger than Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> very much like uh indiana jones 3 with sean connery and harrison ford that they're yeah oh jeez. yeah dick van dyke was born in 1925 and lionel jeffries was born in 1926 wow 
which is a really long time ago. <laughs> you kind of have to look at yourself in the mirror at that point when you're cast and be like, why am I the grandpa? Why dad? <laughs> yeah. In fairness, they don't look like they're the same age. No, he does look older, but he how much of that is older. makeup? Yeah, and he's wearing like a grizzly kind of beard. Yeah. And also Dick Van Dyke is 40 in this film. He does not look 40. There are times he looks old, I think. There are times, but that's times where he's supposed to look tired. Yeah. Like, in the plot of the film. Yeah. Also, Dick Van Dyke only accepted being in this film if he was not going to be forced to do a British accent. Yeah. He's American all the way. He is American. I noticed that. I did think his voice works a lot better. Mm -hmm. So, Mr. Potts does look nervous. They talk about the car being up for sale. Yes. And the kids are like, oh, but it's fine, because... Uh, we told him that you've got 30 shillings and it'll come straight back down. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, okay. And the way he's like nodding and looking nervous. Yeah, he doesn't have 30 shillings. Yeah, no, he doesn't. And we can see as well that, you know, the, the children are oblivious to the actual state of affairs. There's an encounter between Grandpa and Mr. Potts. And they're talking about how it's like, you told me you'd fix my roof by now. It's raining. I'm going to have a, a blooming swimming pool in the morning to wake up to. Yeah. And Caractacus says, well, you could always sleep in the workshop. And he's like, that's not the point. You said you were going to fix it. Yeah. And which is fair. Like, yeah. That's a completely fair point. Because he's, is it Caractacus? Caractacus. Caractacus is dad. He's not like father-in-law. That's okay. his, his father. Mm-hmm. So he goes into the workshop yeah and edison grabs one of the sweets yeah so truly mentioned that the sweets it's not working because there's some holes nobody wants candy with holes in and you know she mentions that she knows that there's something wrong with the boiling point of the sugar which is very very cool yeah he says oh so you're an expert on sweets now and she says well actually and he cuts her off he does cut her off which is great but as edison is Picking up the candy, starts breathing, and you hear the whistle. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started to think, are we just watching Charlie in the Chocolate Factory? A because uh, Potts is Willy Wonka. He has created some fun sweets. Accidentally. Accidentally. So mm-hmm. naturally, first port of call, he's off to Scrumptious Sweets. Uh, I wondered if his pitch to Mr. Scrumptious would be spectacular, spectacular. Not really. No, not really. It doesn't go very well. It's as musical. He's not a very good front man for himself. No, no, he really isn't. So uh, as he goes to sign in, he's kind of met with like, who are you? Come back tomorrow. Yeah. How many times do you get told come back tomorrow? But in walks truly scrumptious. Yes, we learn that she is a scrumptious. Yes, that she is the daughter of Lord Scrumptious. Lord Scrumptious Mm -hmm. and presumably heir to his candy throne. Yep. And she says to the assistant at the front, it's like, no, you let this man by. Yeah, tell father that I'm here, but Mr. Potts must go in first. Yeah, so Mr. Potts goes in, he's got 20 seconds, doesn't really do much with it and (laughs) is dismissed. But truly says, no, keep going, keep going. Follow him. Yeah, yeah, so Mr. Potts feels like he should go home, but she's on his side Mm -hmm. because she thinks the idea is ingenious. And he keeps, he follows, and is met with nonchalance. Yeah, it's tasting time. So Mr... Scrumptious. Yes, Lord Scrumptious is going around tasting all of the 
the different sweets, but in their liquid form. Which is fair, before yeah. you put the time and effort in, make sure the flavours are right. Mm -hmm. And then he's doing some test tasting of like lollipops and things, and then Caractacus is just like chasing him around, like trying it. to get him to look at it. And then we go into Toot Sweets. Yes, and there's some great branding. A mouthful of cheer. Mm -hmm. I like that. That's really good branding. Mm -hmm. One of my favourite bits about the sequence is as they try to give him one of the Toot Sweets to sample, he's not interested. So uh, truly distracts him. And uh, Caractacus... Caractacus. Caractacus puts the Toot Sweets on the tasting board and turns it around so that when Mr. Scrumptious pick up. picks up and he's not interested. And it's a really nice repetition of it. But yeah, eventually... It only works because she says, Father, please. Yeah. And then he's like, okay, fine. And he tries it and there's instantly more life to the factory. Like, mm -hmm. everyone's having a great time. He likes it. Yes. And I like the bit where everyone's like watching, bated breath. What's he going to think? Is he going to like it? He Yay! doesn't He doesn't even react. He's kind of still chewing it when Caractacus is yeah. like, he likes it. And then they all cheer and it's just like, okay. And we get a really, really upbeat dance number. This is great. Mm -hmm. um, I like the bit where Caractacus... Caractacus. I like the bit where Caractacus... Starts orchestrating them with the spoons. Yeah. That's really, really fun. But they summon... We get higher and higher and higher until Mr. Scrumptious plays the last toot. And it is so high that dogs can hear it. Yeah. So all the dogs show up and the pitch is ruined. Mm -hmm. However, does he actually... Also, all of the food in this room is ruined. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So fair enough. I'd be pretty mad. Lord Scrumptious is not going to uh, take advantage of this tasty <laughs> offer. Truly's like, escape what you can. But does he need, like, how, how difficult is it for him to manufacture? We've already seen he's made loads of these sweets today, overnight, whatever. Mm. Why doesn't he just go and sell them somewhere? Yeah, why doesn't he just go and sell them somewhere else? I guess if you have somebody... that is the difference between me, like, self-publishing. Yeah. Or getting a publisher. Yes, and it definitely helps him because he's already got that interest. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got a brand attached to it now. It's, you know, uh, Scrumptious Sweets presents Toot Sweets. Yeah. However, in a moment, we see that he's going to the fun fair and he takes the hair cutting machine and not the Toot Sweets. He doesn't have any Toot Sweets left. Could have made some. Yeah, but we don't know how long it takes him to make them. Yeah. It just feels like he, he is his own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. You know, he... He he doesn't have enough confidence in anything he It's makes. almost like, yeah, he's catastrophizing, like he self-sabotages because he doesn't want to be a success because mm -hmm. he's scared of what that would, would mean. He tells J&J &J that he can't afford the car. So they decide to give up their treasures and their dreams to help fund dad's inventions mm -hmm. this dynamic is weird and i think it's at this point where he's like oh no i can't let my children do this like there's a really nice smile on his face because they're not treasures it's not really like an ivory tusk it's not really a gold crown it's just play things, things that, that they've, they've made found. up yeah. but he's looking and going yeah this shouldn't be what my children do they shouldn't be funding my dreams i should be funding their dreams yeah i think he has a moment of like this is the first time they've ever said to him anything about money. So he's like, God, they shouldn't be thinking about this. This is my job as the yeah. parent, as the adult. But yeah. 
We get Hosha by Mountain. I recognize this, but I don't know where I recognize it from. I don't know if it is just like generic, like lullaby that, you know, sounds like a lullaby. But I feel like I recognize this as there a sequence. There is a, a bunch of different, like people have sung it as radio versions it also became a christmas advert oh really yeah you know how they always take like quite upbeat songs so there might be that i've like christmas adverts. i mean i wouldn't say this is an upbeat song yeah it might be that i've heard but i recognized it i thought it was a cute little sequence i love that um you know him just tucking his kids and saying good night to them mm-hmm. it shows he's a really good dad because this is a moment that you could kind of start to lose faith in him yeah because not only is he not as good an inventor as the kids believe he's also kind of not giving them what they want as kids yeah um i know where you'll know it from yep it's in the war of the worlds movie the Dakota Tom Cruise one. fanning sings it little girl that's probably why it. i recognize it yeah also fun fact it was recorded for jack skellington to sing in nightmare before christmas after he leaves christmas town he hears it there and then he sings it to the townspeople. Weird. Weird. And it wasn't used. Probably Obviously. for the better, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that seems like a weird one to me, but you know. So we see Caractacus mm-hmm. just looking in the distance. We see a beautiful sunset with like her convoy and it's a travelling fun fair. So great, he can peddle his wares. Yep. And he takes with him an automatic hair cutting machine. Yes. And you, I, I said to you as we watched the credit scene, oh, Barbara Windsor's in this. Yeah. And you said to me, oh, is this Barbara Windsor's bit? And a second she laughed, we knew it was definitely her. <laughs> I haven't actually seen her in anything other than this. Yeah. I, th- I th- She's one of those, I think you hear that laugh and you just know yeah. it's her. Like, she rivals Elaine Page in terms with of the laugh Gremlin factor. Giggle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And recognisability. I love Elaine Page's bar. If you are in the UK and you don't listen to Elaine Page on Sunday, you really need to get on it because she is the funniest person ever. Oh, yeah. It's great. Elaine Page on Sundays. Lovely two hours of musicals. Mm -hmm. So this doesn't go as well as he wants. He sits on his bike and the machine starts working and Barbara Windsor's talking with her husband about how, oh, this is so exciting. Look, we're trying new things. And then suddenly it starts smoking mm-hmm. and Caractacus doesn't actually notice. Someone has to point out and he sees it smoking. He yep. lifts up the device and the guy has maybe not the haircut he'd have wanted. Think monk hair. Yeah. If you think about what like Friar Tuck looked like with that one bald spot on the top yeah. for no reason. But with a, a sprout of hair right in the middle with going straight sprout. up. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's not amused. He gives chase and Caractacus runs away. I like mm-hmm. the running bit. It's nice to see kind of the uh, different attractions at this uh, traveling fun fair. Yeah, it really I is. like seeing him interacting with the thing. So, you know, you've got the. Going around the merry go round. Yeah, you've got the throwing things that the head's going up and down. Mm-hmm. I like it. And we go into uh, my second most recognized sequence. Yep. The one I, I knew more famously, mm-hmm. uh, is Me Old Bamboo. Yes. Which is just fantastic. It is Uncanny Valley. Yeah. Because the dances are very similar. The sentiment is very different. This is just that I'm going to hide. 
Yeah, so he is hiding in the artist tent and as they're going onto the stage, one of the artists is like, hey, we're on, you need to get changed to Dick Van Dyke because he's wearing a very similar outfit to what they are, yeah. except he has a waistcoat on and all he does is he changes his waistcoat, puts his little Morris Dancer leggings, like cuffs on yeah. and can go out on stage with them. And this is just crowd entertainment, mm-hmm. basically. But he joins in and it's amazing. Well, and this is the thing. If you think in terms of like the laws of musicals, right? Mm-hmm. We accept that people just break into song and dance. Yeah. And everyone will know. The difference is here. This is real world. Yeah. Like this is diegetic sound that everyone would be able to hear because this is an actual life performance. And he picks up on it. Mm-hmm. He he goes with the dance. He goes with the singing. So he's clearly that talented in real life. It's not like a... You know, I, I'm, I've got two left feet, but I can dance in a musical number because I'm in a musical. Yeah. So he is this talented. You know, what can't Caractacus do? Mm-hmm. And I love this sequence. I just thought it was a lot of fun. The choreography was just amazing. And the performance ends. Everyone throws the shillings, the coins, and he fills his hat. And one of the other dancers comes up and says, no, here, take this. He says, oh, thanks very much. Yeah. Because he basically became a featured performer. And he gives him the share. And that share buys Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I like the bit where he's wheeling the car up. And the kids are all excited. And Grandpa just goes, that's a nice pile of junk you got there. Yep. I love Grandpa and Caractacus's little snide comments to each other is really funny. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, he bans the children from going into the workshop because he's working on this in kind of secrecy. And he doesn't need to be distracted. Distracted. And I love the bit that they're just like, oh, it won't take long. Our dad's a genius. Mm-hmm. Cut to a shot of them and Edison just sat bored. Yep. Because it's taking too long for them. But I really like this sequence, just the curiousness. This is certainly mm-hmm. where I feel like the insert character is the children. Because yeah. we have the impatience that they have, mm-hmm. but also just we're observing their dad just grabbing random things with no context and no understanding. That's why I think there are insert viewer characters. Yeah. Because um, they just don't know what's going on. And I really like that we don't actually see inside the workshop. Mm-hmm. We see hunk of junk, a few things being carried without any context and then the big reveal that's very cool yeah. it's not like um greece where you kind of see things through the process mm. you know and yeah he he drives chitty chitty bang bang out and she looks magnificent yes this is chitty gen 11 yep which is the so just such an iconic car she looks like brum yeah brum is also a race car I love the bit where Grandpa comes out and it's like, but does she work? And it's a very good question. He says, but does she work? And the children are like, of course it'll work. Our dad fixed it. And he's like, yeah, good luck with that. I'm going I to, I'm off to Antarctica. See you later. Yeah. I love, I, I just love the absurdity of him. You mm-hmm. know, it, it, it's very like the same with like Mary Poppins where we have the normal, but not like with the Colonel. Mm-hmm. The captain, whatever he is, the animal. It's like his normal. Yeah, well, he goes into his shed then, and he his just hut. Yeah. sits there, and it's just like he reminisces. Yeah, yeah. I love Grandpa. Yep. <laughs> and uh, we get the titular song, mm-hmm. "Chitty Chitty Bang Bang." I have to admit, mm-hmm. I did start laughing 
the second they started singing it because I just pictured Jim Carrey. Yeah. Which I guess is a problem when you've seen that before. But I, I was just like, I could just pictured him doing it. But I really love the process of naming Chitty Chitty Bang Bang because I could just hear the Chitty 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 Bang Bang. You yeah. know, like I thought it was a really cool way of naming the car. And, you know, Caracatus just being like, yeah, that, that's it telling us its name. Mm-hmm. She's he, talking to us. All good engines talk. He does a really good job at like, building a world for his kids yeah his parenting skills are amazing yeah like he genuinely is like building this environment that's so stimulating for them that mm. you know he's making them think of these questions and finding the answers themselves it was great i, I really like pedagogically this fantastic yeah what were we watching the other day where somebody said the word pedagogy and we were both like what is my happening? hero academia <laughs> yeah. that's great yeah and uh running joke Truly is back in the same pond. Yep. Because he's runner off the road because it's too narrow. Now, this is where we have that continuity issue. This is why she can't reverse. The car that she's driving has an open bottom on the engine. Okay. So the first time she went in, it would have been fine for a while. And then she had trouble starting it again. Ah, so it's already taken its toll. So it's gone into the water again. It's not worth trying to restart. And to restart the car once it's turned off, you have to stand in front of it and wheel the... I will rescind my critique then. Yes. But I like the bits. He's like... um... He goes in to save her. Obviously. And she's like, I don't want my dress to get ruined. And her scarf dips in a little bit, but that's fine. She says, I don't want my dress to get ruined. And he's like, well, I'll carry you then. And she's like, do you have to? And he's like, well, unless you want to ride piggyback. And she's like, fine. Carry me. Let me get my handbag. I like that she's so willing to join them to go to the seaside. She says, but what about my car? And he's like, I'll have my friend tow it. Yeah, Mr. Coggins will sort it for us because we're right outside Mr. Coggins. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we drive. I recognise this because this is where I'm from. Yeah. This is Beachy uh, Head. Beachy Head. This is East Sussex. And I've driven those roads many a time. So it's quite cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it when they were going to... It's not a, a C&E spawn. It, no, it's, it's definitely not. not a beach that I'm familiar with. Somehow they have gone from East Sussex in England to France. Yes, they are in Saint-Tropez in France. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is truly a magical car. Which is so funny because it's not like we don't have sandy beaches here. And actually the beach that they're on isn't that sandy. It looks a little pebbly. It is It is very weird. Like in terms of going on location. But maybe... Because you had to get the car there. Yeah. Like everything else is in the UK except for the shots of the castle. But everything else is set but That's fine because you England. can just take your location... You just need to get like a panning shot of the You castle. just send a couple of people over to get footage. Yeah. You don't need to take a whole car. It is a weird choice. Yeah. It's a very weird choice. Um, but I really like it. So like the bit where he, he runs into the sea was really, really fun. Mm-hmm. You know, like he does his little dive. Yeah. In his excellent swimming costume. They, the children have a conversation with Truly Scrumptious where they're like, oh, but your name is so perfect for you. Yeah, it suits her. Yeah. Um. Like, if you're, if you're called Yum Yum or Angel Cake, that would suit you too. No, no, no one would ever get away with being called Yum Yum or no. Angel Cake. They say that her name suits her. She would have had to be called something lovely like Yum Yum or Angel Cake. Exactly. Those are lovely names. No, they're not. For things. <laughs> yeah, for not a cat for girls, maybe. but... So we get a song inspired by her name. Yeah. Uh, these kids want a new mother. This is the nanny song. From Mary Poppins. 
If you want this choice position. How dare you? It's basically that This song. is the... Um, we think you are truly scrumptious. This is just a parent trap song. Will you be your brand new mummy? You know, I, it's okay. It's but... not like they want a new mother. They've not had one. No, but it's it's like... You know when we've talked about Andrew Lloyd Webber and mm-hmm. like how you hear... And you start to see patterns. Yeah, there's a writing. lot of things in this that are like, oh yeah, this is the Sherman brothers. This is it. Like the, this is like tropes of the Sherman brothers, where you're seeing similar mm. things between this bed knobs and broomsticks, slipper in the rose, Mary Poppins. You're seeing those traits in their work continue. By coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> um, the kids are really cute. They're not they're the so best cute. singers, but I quite like that. That's part of they, the charm of they this. They sound like actual children. Exactly. It's, really it's, nice. it's like I said with Annie. You mm. know, like she may not be the best actress, but she may not be the best actor, but I really like it. Yeah. And I really like them here. You know, they may not be the best singers, but it's enjoyable because they I are kids. I was obsessed with this film as a child. Yeah. And I looked a lot like Jemima when I was little. I had very long, white blonde hair. And I would dress up as her and sing this song over and over again. And there is a home video somewhere where I'm stood like on the fireplace singing it and just getting the words just completely wrong. Meanwhile, your father is the child catcher. Yes, he is. (laughs) More on that later. Um, Yeah. But I, the thing is, with this song, when she starts taking over to sing it, it's just weird because she's singing her own name like that. Yeah. You know, like, it just felt weird. She's saying truly scrumptious. You two are truly scrumptious. Yeah, but she's singing her own name. Yeah, but it stopped being a name now. She's I know it stopped being a... a name, but it just it pinpoints how stupid her name is in the first how place. How dare you? She's wonderful. She is wonderful. He's called Caractacus Potts. Yeah. And she's named Truly Scrumptious. Yeah. And she's singing a I song. I think Truly called... on its own is a really it's nice It's a great name. name. But she's singing a song called Truly Scrumptious. You can't make this sound stupid That's like me, me singing. I think a, it's great. It's like me singing a song with my name. You know, like... I, I don't know. It just... It became... I wish it had just been the kids singing this. That's all. Just the kids bit. Cut her bit. No. I always find with these older musicals... Hmm. That they're so quick and they move so quickly. Like this is the third time we've seen her interact with J and J and she's already saying how much she loves them. She's already clearly like in love with their dad. And I know that this is an era thing, you know, like in 1910 things moved a lot faster. She obviously also does not know any other men. And she doesn't know these children. And she's she's here on the third time being like, oh, I love you. You've enriched my life so much. First time you met them. She obviously was very lonely. The first time she met them, she was telling them off the whole car journey. The second time... She wasn't telling them off. She was worried about them. The second time she barely interacted with them. She was too busy playing with their dad's whistle. (laughs) And now (laughs) she's gone to the seaside with them and she's in love. Mm. And it's it's a storytelling thing of, of musicals, but also movies from this era. You don't get that nowadays, do you? Uh, I mean, you still do. It's just in things like Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella. 
which are Fun throwbacks. Fact, Andrew Lloyd Webber went to the opening night of this in the West End. He was in the video that I watched. Really? Yeah, it was like young Andrew Lloyd Webber as well. And it was, it was really at that good. point that he said, that's Carrie Hope Fletcher, she's not like most girls. Someday I'm going to write her a musical. And he did. I mean, Carrie Hope Fletcher also played Truly Scrumptious in this. Has she really? Yeah. God, That's she's like got a trend. the second time she's done that. Yeah. She that... was Young Eponine and then Eponine. So, and then Jemima I'm... and then Truly. So I'm waiting for her to play I'm, Mary Poppins. I'm calling it now. She has to be Mary Poppins. At some point, she'll return to Andrew Lloyd's Cinderella. And she will be either the Queen or the Wicked Stepmother. No, she has to be Madame Thenardier first. No, but my point is that she's going to return yeah. to Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Well, she's been young Eponine, Eponine, Fontaine. So she needs to be... Well, she can't be Cassette because she's not a soprano. But she needs to be Madame Thenardier. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think would be hilarious. Is there a grown-up female character in Heathers that she can play? Yeah, there's the teacher. So she can be the teacher in Heathers. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. Who, right. We loved Cinderella. This is such and, a tangent. But, but yeah. it is a tangent. We we enjoyed Cinderella. And thank you to everyone who listened to our episode covering it. Because it was our best seven day launch by a massive oh, yeah. margin. We love so, you all. Yeah, thank you. Of the two older female characters she can play, mm-hmm. if we follow this trend, this is what Carrie Hope Fletcher does. Who would you rather see her play? The Queen or the Wicked Stepmother? stepmother and i'll tell you for why (laughs) tell me for why because the queen has to be really funny her whole thing this it sounds like i'm i'm being negative but i'm not her whole thing is the over the top hamming it up you have to have really good timing for things like that to work that is a different skill no to the kind of acting that carrie fletcher has done before and also Carrie Fletcher plays the bitch really well. Like, she did it really well in Heathers, and I think, and she did it well in Cinderella. So I think the stepmother is the But I also think that the fact is the stepmother is the foil, and there's so much, like, similarity in their characters. Mm -hmm. I could see that. I I was going to say the stepmother as well. Yeah. She might do the queen as a one-off performance, but the stepmother certainly. Mm -hmm. Tangent over. (laughs) The kids ship truly pots. Yes. And Jeremy, don't peep. <laughs> I'm not peeping, I'm looking. <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> exactly. I like the bit. So they're back on Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy is on the lookout for pirates. And Jemima wants a story. And this is where basically the rest of the story happens. It's all within this moment. Right. Here's the thing. The actual story that was originally written in the book and that actually happened in the original script was that this all actually happens and the framing narrative is he starts telling this story but it's true and then this all takes place and then at the end we don't cut back to the beach they fly home and drop grandpa off and then he drives um he drives truly home yeah And then we get the rest of the ending of the film. However, way later into filming, when they were making it, Ken Hughes, the director, mentioned that it won't make sense to the audience if this is all real and it's actually happening. It's too fantastical. It's too like Mary Poppins, where we just accept that all of this stuff is happening. 
Whereas actually, let's throw in this line about Jemima asking for a story and then have it be bookended by the end of the story. So. I don't think it was a good idea. I think we can accept the fantastical with things Yeah, like I would rather it continue to be fantastical. Mm. Um, I think there's one song coming up that really doesn't work when we consider that this is all a story. From this point onwards, this is all a story. I know which one you're talking about, yeah. yeah. It doesn't work. Yes. So. I choose to believe that all of this actually happens and the cut back to the beach at the end is the dad telling them what would have happened. I don't know. I think it's... I I can accept it being a storytelling device. Mm. I think the problem is we have to remove one song from that storytelling device. Yeah. But this isn't The Wizard of Oz. We don't wake up and it's all a dream. This actually happens. The car can fly. Well, yeah. The car can fly. The car can fly because we have a Grease-esque ending. Yeah. The car flies at the end of the stage show. Yeah, so I think... it. Certainly, if you cut the line here with Jemima asking for a story, the rest of it will make sense and it works. We don't need to cut back. Mm-hmm. We have to go with what they chose to do and they chose yeah. to say this is a story. Therefore, this is, the, this is the film we're talking about is that this is a story. The rest of this that now happens is a story. Yeah. So we meet uh, Baron... Bombburst of Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. He wants the car. I actually have to admit, I really love the idea of the story coming to life around them that Dick Van Dyke says part of the story and it starts happening. Yeah. I like that. You know, the bit he's like, oh, we're too far in the tides. The water suddenly there. That is one of my favourite parts of this film. The zoom in on his face yeah. as he says, what none of us have noticed that is while we've been sitting here, the tide has been coming in yeah. all around us. Sudden zoom out water. But I like Incredible. that. I think in terms of the commitment to the route they've chosen to take, great job. Mm-hmm. Completely fantastic job. I think that works really well. So I'm okay with it. However, yeah. I thought the story kind of ended. I got confused by bits moving forward, which we'll talk about, I guess, between now and what would be the interval. So, yeah. Uh, I, I really liked the Baron's costume, the kind of white with the pink military outfit. That's, yeah, that's quite cute. nice. I liked that. I'd want that version myself. Chitty turns into a boat. So this is cool. There is literally a Bond car. Mm-hmm. And we get the phantasmagorical version of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yes. Which is a great word, phantasmagorical. Mm-hmm. That, uh, it wouldn't be a Sherman Brothers production without difficult An words. word, yeah. Yeah. And you pointed out how much you liked this, so I wrote down the note because it is really nice. It's a beautiful little smoke ring that comes from the cannon of the ship. Yeah, it's really cute. It is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, just the one. It doesn't happen again. Yeah. Chitty, chitty, bang, bang. I'm just going to call it chitty from now on. Mm-hmm. Chitty just steers round and round and round the ship and gets to dry land. They escape. But the Baron has spies who are dressed like vents. Yes, the spies are called... I found it because I didn't know this and I don't believe it's in the plot that it's mentioned. They're also credited as Spy 1 and Spy 2. Yeah. But they're called Mr. Rude and Mr. Bombastic, which is So one of them is his son? No, Bombburst and then Bombastic. Fair. So, yeah, Mr. Rude and Mr. Bombastic are the spies, which is hilarious. Yeah, I like the bit where they walk up in the vents out of the sea, they remove them... We're in England. We must behave like English gentlemen. And when in England... What do we do? We play cricket. Yeah, I liked that line. Um, And truly says that she is truly sorry Mm -hmm. and owes Mr. Potts an apology for ever questioning 
the way he raised his children. Mm-hmm. And we get Lovely Lonely Man. And this song... This song made me think the story was over. And this song doesn't work when we consider the fact that in the context of the story he's telling the children, this is part of his story. Mm-hmm. Because... In this story that he's telling them, he is telling them all how truly is desperately in love with him. Yeah. And it just feels wrong. It feels like it makes uh, Caractus become more arrogant and egotistical. Mm-hmm. That like, well, of course she's in love with me. Why wouldn't she be? I'm fantastic. Yeah. It just doesn't work. It, I, and I don't like it. I didn't like the song anyway. It was kind of dull. But I, I dislike it even more because of the storytelling device that this is bookended. This is part of the story he's telling his kids. Mm-hmm. I just did. I, I, I really don't like that. I think this should have happened after the story. I think this should happen after he's said goodbye to her and she's desperate to be like proposed to. And he's just ditched her. And then you have this number where she's like, oh, he's such a lovely, lonely man. Then it works. Hilariously, in the stage show, because it just occurred to me, maybe I'll look and see what it is in there. It's in Act 2. Yeah. It takes place after Roses of Success. So pretty much it's probably what I've just said to put it there. Yeah. I I think it's a boring song. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my skip song, one of them. I'm not surprised. This will probably be, if you force me to pick a skip song, this is going to be it. It's beautifully sang. but like, It's so nice. Yeah. And it's so prettily filmed. Yeah. They do a good job of, obviously, this is the popcorn song, right? This is the song where there's not a whole lot happening. It's just one character singing. Yeah. And it's not very narrative. We like, We understand where she's coming from. We're not learning anything new here. So realistically this would be the skip it song but because they decided to film it really nicely by having these like panning shots and Mm. her moving around the whole time it's actually really engaging they did a good job of it as opposed to something like the phantom movie where we would have shots where it's just like a wide shot where the person just stands a close (laughs) shot where the person just stands or high school musical where Single shots, yeah. yeah. Um, But even then, at least they're moving. But the worst bit about this as well is when you consider what she is saying. These are the words that Caracatus is putting into her mouth. Uh, She's met so many easy-to-forget men, but Mr. Potts has touched her heart. Her life now has a plan. Win this man. You know, that's his words. That's the words he's putting in her mouth. Yeah. It's just gross. She's into it. This isn't the real her. No, I mean, at the end. Yeah, she's into it then, but... It's the... What's they call it in How I Met Your Mother? Dobler Dharma effect. Yeah. Where it's... If you like the other person, it's cute. But if you don't, it's creepy. Yeah. And she I, likes him, yeah, so... Yeah, so it's cute, but... I just think this the biggest sin of this song is, is its placement. Yeah. Um, I did really like the bit where she uh, pushes the empty swing and then runs away. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was hilarious. Um... It's cute because in singing about how lonely he is, we get this highlight of how lonely she is. Yeah. She's gone home to this massive estate, but there's nobody there. Yeah. Like, not even her father. No. Second week in a row, we're going to talk about uh, the Looney Tunes. 
Why? Because this next sequence is basically a Looney Tunes plot. Oh, the spies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of them was great. I I got bored of this sequence again. Like, it's just filler. It, it, I'm turning off to the plot a little bit here. You know, like, uh, Chitty is, is taking a nosedive for me. We just need a reason to get to Bulgaria now. I agree. However, we have three Wile E. Coyote misadventures with the spies. Mm-hmm. We don't need them. We don't need all three. You know... We need potentially them just driving up and like misidentifying Grandpa as Caracatus and and flying off with him. Mm -hmm. We don't need to see them blowing themselves up. Yeah, or kidnapping Lord Bod. Yeah, or putting a fake landscape and having him drive through it. We don't need to see that. It's funny. I funny what first time fine. But when we have it repeated, it just stopped being funny. It's funny. I didn't enjoy it. I have, okay. I have to say. Sure. I'm fine with slapstick like this. I, I love this kind of slapstick humour. But what has this film done so far to demonstrate this slapstick humour? It comes very out of nowhere. And, like, just them blowing up and then you get, like, the, you know, the... Daffy Duck-esque, like their hair is now at tops and they're covered with soot. I just, I didn't like this bit. Okay. Which is a shame because I like this sort of humour usually, but it happens within worlds that it's been established. Hmm. And we're too early into the storytelling device for it to be clear that this is a story. You know, we've just had um, Lovely Man, Lonely Man, whatever. I thought at that point the story had ended and we'd gone back to like real world because they've mm. escaped i thought that was the end of the story yeah and now we're back into this story and i'm believing this i was like oh is it actually a story or is this really unfolding around them you know yeah so they decide that they're going to have to go to Caractus potts's house mm-hmm. and they pull up and they see grandpa <laughs> the typical eccentric british yes in his I don't know what it's to call this outfit. Yeah. It's like Nigel Thornbury colonialist style. Yeah. Um, but he is going to his hut and they think that he's being eccentric and trying to throw them off the scent. So they call in their Zeppelin, which isn't really a Zeppelin, but they call it a Zeppelin. And they hook it to the top of his hut and they lift him up into the air and it's hilarious. Oh, yeah. Like, that's funny. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of just yawning and a little bit bored by this point because of the previous two bits had they just gone straight into this bit i i'd have loved it i think you could you know this is a really funny sequence especially when you then see them flying over chitty and like then be like oh, grandpa, grandpa where are you going like, that's funny i get think back here <laughs> it's lost a little bit of momentum at this point and it's starting to get the momentum back yeah um Ooh, the posh, posh traveling life. The traveling life's for me. Well, before we get to the posh, posh traveling life, we get an intermission, which is very weird because they drive off Beachy Head and then they pause. And we have intermission. Mm. And then we have the odd tract. And then we go back to a recap like this is Netflix. And we're like, can we skip the recap? Because we just repeat the same thing, which is very interesting. I've never seen that in a film before. It happens in The Sound of Music. I don't remember the sound of music that well. <laughs> but I just thought it was really, really interesting. Like, uh, we've seen it, I guess, in Funny Girl, where we have the black screen of death for, like, 30 seconds again. But... 
god, yeah. But I really like this because we have the cliffhanger, literally the cliffhanger, uh-huh. and then the intermission, which probably would have been a chance to go use the toilet because this would have been massively long for the kids' you know, film. Yeah, so go use the it toilet. Actually, was the longest snacks. kids' film until the first Harry Potter movie. Yeah. Um, and we come back and just recap what's happened, and shitty flies, mm-hmm. and they they give chase. And then, yes, we get posh. Yes. Wherein Grandpa <laughs> is nearly drowned by the Vulgarians. I love this song. It's a really, really good song. I it's like this number. so funny. I, in my head, picture this in the stage show just being done. That There's like a, me- a mechanism that he is just above the stage in his little outhouse. And it's literally just travelling from just stage left to stage forward. right. Yeah. Maybe it drops down a little bit. I liked that. I thought it was funny. And, and that... he just stands on it and sings and it's great. But yeah. there's a there's two versions of it in the stage show. There's a version that he sings with the kids where he's telling them a story while dad is building the car. Oh, that'd be a nice reprise then, yeah. It's this cute. Would... And then this is the reprise where he's just like, fine, I give up. I will that, just yeah. be kidnapped. I'll deal with it. That's quite nice. I'd like that. It, it works here because you don't need more context this, this song. This ever goes on tour. Oh, yeah, we'll go oh, see Oh, my it. God. We're like three years too late, but... <laughs> Well, we're seeing Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. That's debuting. Mm. And that'll definitely be an episode, I'm sure. That's true. That's so amazing. we have hopes. Um, I liked this bit. I, I love the fact that, you know, they're carrying too much weight. So they're trying to drop things so they can fly. They drop the sandbags. It doesn't work. They realise they don't need the spies anymore. So they drop yep. them. They don't. I like the bit where the little speakerphone comes down and... The Baron is talking with Grandpa, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh, <laughs> thank, thank you." you. And thank he goes you. up, and he comes back. And goes, no, you're welcome. And goes back up. It's like there's some weird <laughs> manners with this clearly antagonist. Well, I think from the sort of the Baron's perspective is like, if I'm nice to this guy, like I've already kidnapped him. Yeah. But maybe if I'm nice to him, he'll do the thing for me. Yeah, exactly. Um, Potts doesn't know where they're going. But luckily, Chitty does, so they're in safe hands, and Chitty is just steering them at this point, which I think is cool. You noticed something for the first time ever. Oh my god! In watching this film, when they landed at the castle in Bulgaria, hilarious when they pull the little—it's like wheelie stairs over, so that the Baron can get out of the Zeppelin. It says Air Volga on it. it no, it says Volg Air. Volga, yeah, I incredible. That was great. Yeah, that was really nice. That's so funny. I love set dressing things like that. Yeah, the Vulgarians' ways are very unlike ours. They're playing pool, but it's just one strip with one ball. And then the guy's like, you cheated. <laughs> there it's, isn't a ball either. No, it's very weird. Like, it's very much like our world, but clearly not our world. It's all the adult things an adult would want, but he's a giant man-child. Yeah. So it's only games that he can win. Yeah. So, like, the horse that we see in a minute... If it was a real horse, there's a possibility that it wouldn't like him and that it would kick him off and he would have trouble it's controlling it. It's everything he it. can control, yeah. But the toy horse is fine because, you know, he looks so majestic on it. Yeah. I love the Baroness Bombus. I think this is the funniest character. And if I... This is one of my other, like, aged out roles. Yeah. It's like, if I was too old to play Truly, I would 100% want to be the Baroness Bombus. I wasn't really a fan, I have to admit. I know you don't care about her at all. But yeah, I wasn't a fan of her. This is maybe just because I've watched it so many times and I'm looking at her whenever yeah. she's on screen, whereas action is happening. Yeah. So you're not looking at her. 
So, like, it's another thing about reactions, really. Like, her reactions to things, yeah. I just think, are hilarious. Um, I like the bit. So, Grandpa tries to come clean that he's not the person they want. And uh, they threaten an execution. The executioner just steps down the stairs and in he's the background. Like, no, I think I'm your guy. <laughs> yeah, I can do it. And what then, is it you want me to build? Then we get the ridiculous horse. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I realise that the plot to this next kind of section is basically Rumble Silkskin. Because he locks him in the room and he says, you have 24 hours to build me a floating car or I will uh, kill you. Yeah, it doesn't even have to fly. Yeah. It just has to float yeah. on water. So... It's basically Rumble still skin. It's like, turn this straw into gold or mm. I'll kill you. So will he marry Grandpa at the end if it works? Obviously. Well, he doesn't want to be married to his wife, so why not? No, he really doesn't. <laughs> the old inventors are poorly written. They're just here. But there's also a really questionable line that we had. that I looked yes, at you and you were like... there's a very dated line in this yeah. that we're not going to repeat. No, so they're poorly written. But it's the only bit of this that I think stands out as questionable that it's the only bit that i could see having a cut line on like itv at christmas you know like i yeah it, there's nothing else here that i feel is offensive or mm-hmm. would be questionable if aired in 2021 there is a cut down version of this film that is made for tv i'm trying to think what else they cut out they just loads of time they cut the race at the beginning yeah like that, that whole Fine. section you just open on the kids playing awesome. in the car do. they cut a whole bunch of just like in between shots of the car, them driving places, which is fine. But I'm more talking about making cuts because no, I know. But they also they probably do also cut this line. Yeah. I feel like this scene, when you actually think about what you're seeing in front of you, if you read this, it would be dark. Yeah. He keep he's these people have been here for years. One of the guys came to fix the telephone. He's been here for twenty five years. Yeah, they've been tortured. Yeah. And they're all like old, haggard men. Yeah. And then they jump around and dance and it's less scary. Yeah, but because you've got the dance break, it works. But yeah. you wouldn't. This would feel very rolled doll, I think, if you're reading it. It like, definitely feels very rolled doll. I, which partly because he's doing the screenplay, but if you read Ian Fleming's book, yeah. this would feel like you're reading like a you Charlie can and the Chocolate Factory. the Quentin Blake illustrations. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the song was just okay. Basically, I love this song. <laughs> the failures are manure, and you use them to grow roses of success. Yes. Basically. Because up from the ashes, up from the ashes, grow the roses of success. I think at this point, it's definitely been a very long film, so I am starting to just like lose interest. And because I know they're side characters, I wanted to see more of like the kids and Chitty. Mm. So I started to phase out whenever they weren't there Mm -hmm. you know i get why i understand but i think this is just so funny as a scene especially with them all grabbing all the life boys and stuff and just putting them on the car and being like hope it oh yeah so haphazardly (laughs) that was my favorite bit and then the car just blows up at the end like that was all fine but i don't feel like chitty's mad at them so she's not gonna do it but it wasn't chitty yeah, more like Chitty too. Yeah. The car is not happy about it, so it's no. just like, no. I feel like you're not missing anything if you cut this song in sequence, though. Mm. You know, I feel like it's padding that doesn't need to be there. Much like these life preservers are padding on a car that don't need to be there. Yeah. Um, Chitty has guided the pots to the castle. Mm-hmm. And 
they start shooting the cannons and the baron's like no don't shoot such a beautiful beautiful motor vehicle oh yeah he realizes the car can fly so now he grandpa's task is to make the car fly yeah so he wants that even more and chitty kind of goes off but they summon the child catcher yeah i there's this is maybe the only bit that i thought was really nice with the the baroness like their song is good but like outside of their song is the bit where you know you have the ejector seat oh my god and um it's so funny yeah and and then she's just floating down like princess peach in smash bros and he gets his gun out and he's like oh don't worry i'll shoot you down my love yeah he says i've been waiting for this for 20 years as he (laughs) shoots her out the sky and she just lands in the water are you okay yeah i'm okay get her next time i mean that didn't happen here but like it's so funny it's funny truly and the pots have landed and shrek and donkey ignore them when they ask where they are what's mean it's donkey might have been shrek it wasn't shrek it was a man it's a man it might have been shrek could have been human shrek drank the potion um they're staring at the children all these villagers and this is when Truly whispers to Caracatus. Haven't you noticed there are no children? There's not one child here. Yeah. And then we get like the kind of horn of the military. Yeah. And everyone dashes inside. And the toy maker. Um, Benny Hill. Benny Hill. He um, was actually hired to rewrite some of the dialogue for Dick Van Dyke. And Dick Van Dyke hired him nice. to rewrite some of his dialogue because he didn't like the way it was being phrased. And then off of that, they cast him as the toy maker. So yeah, the toy maker tells them to come inside and hide. And we get a bit of exposition. We learn the Baron hates children. The Baroness. The Baron doesn't have a problem. Oh, the Baroness hates children. Mm -hmm. Um, That wasn't very clear, I have to say then. He says the Baroness. I didn't hear it, so his voice wasn't clear enough. (laughs) Okay. Um, And has banned them. Mm -hmm. So they're hiding. Um, I tell you what, business must be booming in this toy shop without children. And I'd already written that before the toy catcher has an exchange with the child catcher. So that scares me that, um, do I have the similar mindset of the child catcher? Obviously. So we do... I don't trust a man that makes toys in a town that doesn't have children. Exactly. I don't trust this man. I've already kind of cottoned Fun on. Fun fact. I said that in Riff Raff's voice yes. from uh, Rocky Horror. But that's because? That's because Richard O'Brien played the child catcher in the original West End cast. Which is the best casting. Yeah. I have to say, the child catcher didn't disappoint. I was expecting this kind of like, this character. The nose wasn't as like ridiculous as I remembered seeing it. Like when I seen bits of this as a kid. Because I thought it was more like... People like to exaggerate it. You know how you get like elf shoes that kind of curl upwards? That's what you thought his nose was Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's your child mind walking So, um... Yeah. So, fun fact, when I was a kid, I would dress up and pretend to be Jemima, and I have a little brother who looks a lot like me, so we were both little blonde kids, so we yes. would pretend to be Jeremy and Jemima, and we would sing all the songs, and my mum would sing Truly's part, and my dad, while, when we talked about Mary Poppins, I talked about how much my dad, always, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, Dick Van Dyke and my dad, they look really similar, and also he has like quite a cockney accent my dad and so i was like oh he is but so when when i saw this film i was like oh my god it's my dad did my dad want to be dick van dyke no No, he wanted to be the child catcher and i got him to send me this clip of him doing the child catcher's voice so this is children 
Lollipops. <laughs> that is my father performing his best child catcher impression for you it's lovely people. Uncanny. It's uncanny. Um, I think I know what we're going to get your dad for Christmas. It's <laughs> a child catcher net or something. Yes, please. I, I did really like the child catcher. Like when, when you get this character straight away who can smell the children yes. and is scarily accurate, we as the audience mm-hmm. know where the toy maker has hidden them. And the fact that all he has to do is come out and he smells. Do you think he's related to Kathy and Jimmy? Possibly. <laughs> the fact he just kind of gets the right place, first of all, mm-hmm. knows there's something else where everyone's like, no, there's nothing there. And he stamps and he finds it. Goes, ah, I knew there was more to this. And he goes, and you're like, oh my God, he, he knows, on it, yeah. he's on it. And that makes him far more scary. However, I'm willing to believe that if it came down to it, Dick Van Dyke could take this guy. Yes. But just as a child, I can see why he'd be scary because he's he's right. You know? And the fact that there are no other children, nobody stopped him. Yeah. So, yeah. So you can see why this character is so scary. Um but I like the bit is that the, the pots have disguised themselves as Jack in the Boxes. Mm-hmm. And that's good. Like, it works. You know, his sense of smells off, clearly, because they're right in front of him at one point. He, he says that, that he's never been wrong, though. So yeah. he, even he is like, there's something dodgy happening yeah. here. And it, it, it's a good way to introduce this character, um, who is very underutilised considering the reputation. You know, very underutilized from what I was expecting. But mm. he has a song here in the stage show and it's called Kitty Witty Winkies. <laughs> kitty, kitty, kitty. It's really creepy. It's so scary. Is this the one where he goes out into the audience? Yeah. I'd pay good money to have our child sit at the end and have like a interaction with the, the child catcher. Mm. Just to be clear, we don't have a child. No, our our, our fictional children. So I like the bit here. So they've all gone and the toy maker and Mr. Potts go to save Chitty and Grandpa. They ask Truly to look after the kids. Mm-hmm. So naturally, she runs off. She goes to get them food. She's doing good looking after him. No, she is not. She's there an is... adult. She doesn't have to stay put. There is a child catcher on the loose. She has been given one job, look after the children. They don't know what this child catcher does. That's they don't true. know the immediacy of what he does with these children they don't know at this point that every other child is hiding in the caves underneath the castle they just know there's no children and a man who nearly got them truly should stay put Mm. so chitty refuses to work for the baron i think that's absolutely brilliant and this is the bit where you get the ejector seat which is hilarious you know they can't figure out the right buttons to make chitty fly presses the eject button and then we get family guy reference number three Yep. Here we are, children. Come and get your lollipops. Children, lollipops. Children, lollipops. Uh, it actually works. Mm-hmm. The children fall for the bait. Mm-hmm. The, this was a scene. Do you remember I told you before we watched it? I remembered seeing something where the child catcher was looking through a window right at the children. Yeah. In what looked like a dungeon where it's a basement. Mm-hmm. But he's looking through this bit I'd seen. Yeah. It wasn't as scary as I remembered it. In my mind, this was more like the Velociraptors in the <laughs> kitchen in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Like spying them and jumping after them. But they actually fall for the bait. Mm-hmm. Um, I had seen this with Family Guy where it's the uh, Peter catcher. I, I hadn't put two and two together until you showed me that clip after, but I watched that one recently. 
Um, yeah. It's not as iconic, I guess, as Mill Bamboo and uh, It Takes Two. Or just the two of us, wherever that one song was called. I guess it's not as iconic as those two. You two. Like, yeah, that one. The children leave the toy shop and go running towards the child catcher. The other adults try to warn them not to. Yeah, it's really nice that these random older children come... Random other adults come running out to try and help the children, mm. even though they could get in trouble for it. Like, we know we find out what happened to their children, but it's nice that they tried. Well, I guess at this point as well, the child catcher would actively see who took the children and there and is far more consequences. Them, yeah. yeah. Um, so he drives off there in his cage mm-hmm. and then enter Dick Van Dyke and the toy maker. And I want to quote one of my favourite lines from um, Twisted. Yeah. This is all your fault, truly. <laughs> it's all your fault, Jafar. It is. She needed stay put. None of this would happen if truly just did what she was supposed to. Mm-hmm. But isn't that... Uh, I guess I'm thinking more with the whole, like, lovely, lonely man stuff. It's just more of him writing her this way. Yeah. Which just feels worse. Like, why could it not be another character? Why could it not be the toy maker who'd done it or something? Mm. I don't know. It's a shame. Um, the Baroness faints when she's presented with the children. Oh, because they call her ugly. Yes. Jeremy says she's a nasty, horrid, mean old lady. And Jemima says, and very ugly. Oh, and my one delicate of the courtiers is like, she's going, she's going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we don't know what exactly is going on. The child catcher's taken the children there and they're told to go up to the top of the highest tower. Yeah, the dungeon. Yeah. Are they going to be pushed off or what's happening? Like, I have no idea. We yeah, just, just know lock that... them up. Yeah. But... Until they're adults and they can be useful. Yeah. Well, this is the thing is at this point, it is quite like scary because you don't know what the fate of these children is Mm. you just know that they're going to get got and um then we have uh pots and truly they they end up in the caves and they find all the hidden children underneath the castle which i guess is like the best hiding place of all isn't it it's like you're going to hide in plain sight you know where's the best place to hide let's hide on their territory they'll Mm. never think to look for us here yeah I do wonder, though, does this undermine the child catcher? Because surely he'd be able to smell them all, especially if they are going round the castle, which they do for food. Maybe that's why he hates kids so much, is because he can smell them all the time. Maybe. But then surely it would be driving him even more mad, and he'd be like, I can smell them. However, he probably has no reason to go down to the kitchens, because he's a courtier. Yeah, I guess. But... Maybe this that that amalgamation of children that scent would just rise. You know how like heat rises, yeah. child stench would rise. We get a really funny exchange here that it's not as funny as it could have been. Mm. We meet a child, and uh, little blonde blonde child, Peter. Peter, well, yeah. Um, and Caracatus asks what his name is, and the child says Peter, sir. And he just says, "Well, Peter." Well, Peter, sir. I really wish he said, well, Peter, sir. That would have been a hilarious line. No. Yes, that would have been, been hilarious by today's standard. It wouldn't have been funny then. I think it's a funny line. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. Peter, sir. Because it's a dad joke. He's a dad. He should have been making these sort of jokes. This is the one thing that, because I saw the stage show around the same time that I saw the film, because I was very young when yeah. this came out, this 
scene forever lets me down. Yeah. Because he sings, because Dick Van Dyke here sings a reprise of Hush by Mountain. Mm -hmm. He sort of chokes on his words and then truly takes over and it's very lovely. It's a nice moment. However, in the stage version, they sing Teamwork Makes a Dream Work, which is an incredible song. And it's this big number of like riling everyone up and being like, yeah, we can take the Baron. And it's so good. Yeah, I don't think the reprise works here. No, especially because they wrote Teamwork Makes Dream Work for the film. And they were like, no. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Like, this bit just feels very skippable. Again, like, it's really... But this is this is important. Really they find, nice. They find the children. But the song is, is not as nice as it could be. Mm. You know, and maybe we need a bigger number here. Um, we're going to give him a birthday party he'll never forget. That's my biggest takeaway from this song is it's like, you know, they, they, these kids need like a calming grown-up father, mother influence. They get that. Mm-hmm. Let's cut back to something more exciting because we get a uh, choochy face. Yeah. I like the bit where he tries to strangle her with her hair. Hilarious. I don't know why she's dressed in like Vulgarian bondage gear. She's in her underwear. Yeah, it looked, it was very noticeable. That. Yeah, she hasn't, this is like her petticoats. She yeah. hasn't put her clothes on yet. They're married. I know they're married. It just was like. The not black that and, that matters. The, not but... that matters, but the black and white was just a very like. That's, she always was black and white, except for one scene. I just think it was a very obvious, like. Choice. Choice. Yeah. You know, like. Even as a kid, you know she's in her underwear. You know she's in a state of undress. Yeah. I don't think it was, like, subtle. And I, when it comes to kids' things like this, you want that subtlety that the adults will get, mm. but the kids won't get. And I just think they could have done more. I just love the contrast of this song compared to what they're actually doing. Yeah. Like, singing about how much they love each other while I mean. he repeatedly tries to kill her. But I love... The moment where she's lying on the table yep, and, and the, the thing falls because that's the only time where she reacts as if she's like, well, I could have just died. And even for the next like bits of the song, instead of staring into his eyes, she's staring at this there. She's looking just at like... the thing like, okay. So he drops her into a hole, into a pit, mm-hmm. and then he sings like he's Buffalo Bill. Yeah, a little bit. He probs all shit on Skidder also gets the holes again. Oh, yeah. Okay. That bit there, like, he's looking down at her and he's singing, like, my choo-choo, choo-choo face. And then she comes in through the doors immediately. Yeah, like... That is the funniest it's thing a, ever. That was, that was the one bit she did that I really liked. Was yeah. It was just, like, she's done this so often. She's like, I'm one step ahead of you, old man. You're mm-hmm. going to do better than that, you know? Um, yeah. And then we cut to the the party and he's having a, a awful time. He's so bored. It's... This is so, like what as a kid you picture adult parties to be like yeah it's like oh they all dress the same and it's really boring music and they yeah. just dance but i like that the music like the orchestration is choochy face again yeah it's very cool the toy maker brings the gift in mm-hmm. so she has commissioned the toy maker to make these gifts for him yeah and he's like dolls i have thousands of dolls what makes these ones so special yes because they're real people yeah <laughs> And so you get doll in a music box slash truly reprise. Truly does an amazing job with like the mechanical yeah, dancing. It's so good, the isn't beat it? of it. The, I mean, obviously the, the noise will have been dubbed over her. Can you imagine but... seeing this on stage though? <gasps> yeah, this is beautiful. Like this is the bit where she really shines. Like mm-hmm. this this bit is great. I, I loved it. Um 
she does a great job like turning around and just twisting her arms but in the in beat with it and you know presumably there would actually be the squeaking noise of everything there and then which mm-hmm. you would have on stage and the fact she's got a synchronized set she's done a great job and then in the little box is Caracatus. And the way he kind of like lifts himself up as this little rag doll type thing is so amazing. I, there is absolutely Dick Van Dyke has done this dance. Like absolutely has the balance, like where he's tripping and he's like leaning himself back on one leg. Right. But he's got to be on wires as well. Like there's yeah, a okay. there's no way he's actually that. done this. No. I would, right. If you told me right now, Dick Van Dyke, actually did this i'd believe you'd be like yeah okay it's Dick sure, Van Dyke. It's Dick Van but Dyke. there's no way anyone not even uh gene kelly could dance like this you know gene kelly and dick van dyke's dance styles are very very different so i could understand why you would be like yeah he could do this but they actually hired puppeteers yeah to do the rope rigging for this as opposed to like flyers yeah because they wanted it to be like he was a string puppet. Yeah. So the, all of it obviously was choreographed in advance and they knew when they were going to pull on the rope to mm. make him lift up and down. You and don't see the wires, you don't notice it. it. And it's amazing. Yeah, they do a really good job. It, they do a really good job. And it, like this dance sequence here is amazing. And again, like he's a very talented dancer. He should stop inventing and just dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, right? He oh, makes that, more money as a dancer than that, he does as an inventor. That being said, at this point, it's just a story, isn't it? So this isn't the real him. He could do whatever he wants in this story so that's fine this bit was beautiful i loved this bit and i love um the bit where you get the truly reprise he's trying to kiss her hand and the mechanics and she moves right just time. in time i thought this great. was really great I, I i questioned does the baron see through the disguise because he walks up to them but nope he just joins in the dance i was like i i was quite tense at this point because he goes up to him he's like hold on a second they look too real they're too good and then he's like nah let's just join in the party and i was like okay mm-hmm. That, that bit was quite tense. I liked that bit. Mm-hmm. But then, obviously, we enter children to cause mayhem. They crash the party mm-hmm. and they string him up like a Taking piñata. Taking over the hall. <laughs> We're obsessed with Wind in the Willows. If you haven't listened to the Wind in the Willows soundtrack, you have to go. It's great. The Volgarians are in retreat. They didn't scare us at all. Um, yeah, they drop down a hook. To hook the Baron onto, yeah, so that they can pull him up. And yep, he's pulled up, like and then they drop him. nets on everyone else, and mm-hmm. they start tying them up in the middle. We cut back and forth, so the cross cutting to what's going on in the hall and trying to find J and J, and truly finds them. And we, we, I swear, I've seen this bit before. I think I've seen the ending of um, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang before so you know how every Christmas we get that like best musical movies countdown yeah this is the scene that they always show yeah, for so some I'd reason it's that. always that clip I'd and seen then a the bit where they're like songs. storming and cracking open the door like I was watching this going I've seen this yeah it's always on those yeah. best movies or best children's movies best yeah. musical movies yeah um, I like the bit where the spies finally get to the castle and instantly turn themselves <laughs> like, around See you later. Um, the child catcher gets catched by children. So that's, you know, like a, isn't it ironic? Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Yeah. A little too ironic. Sure. Yeah, I really do think. <laughs> that's not a song from this. I know. It's my joke. <laughs> I know. I'm just being facetious. Okay. Um, in the stage show, this is my last one, I yeah. promise. It's not. I'm going to talk about the car in a minute. But in the stage show... <laughs> The way that this happens, 
is like a reverse of the chandelier drop from Phantom. <laughs> so he is pushed into the net and then the net closes around him and it rises over the audience until he hangs in the middle and then he goes up and he goes up into the rafters and is set free. <sighs> How incredibly cool is that? It's very cool, but as an actor, I would be terrified by that. You're harnessed into it. You're harnessed separately to the net. I know you I'm would do. I'm scared of heights. I'm scared of heights, but there's still, there still an element of as cool as it would be. As cool as it, and I, I would love doing that. I'd be like, this is so cool to be a part of doing this. Every night, I would just be holding on really tightly to I something. I would pay that money point. to do that. I'd be holding on to just something very tightly at this point, just to make sure I was safe because that they wouldn't does do it if it wasn't safe. There are too many accidents that happen. Okay. All the accidents that happen with Spider Man. Yeah, but that's because he had to move around on it. You just have to sit there and go up. Any given day, things can break down. Like, it's a scary thing to do. Saying that the car breaks all the time. Exactly. So, So like, you know, it's a very cool and the right right thing to do. Like, Mm. in terms of the staging of this, that's an incredible way to end this moment with this character. But I can imagine as an actor, each night, you are a little bit scared. I don't think you enjoy the moment as much because you'll be like, get this moment done. Just get this moment done. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, You would. I, I would love to do that. I like the bit. So the Baron and the Baroness have, have kind of escaped and they're hiding and they go down the slide with like the, the garbage chute with yeah. all the food waste and they slide right into the child catcher's cage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. Chitty arrives to save the day. Of course. And they have Grandpa. <laughs> Grandpa says, what's that blooming car doing here? And they all get in and it's time to escape. Of course, they're going to start a revolution, but not like stick around to clean up their mess. No, why would you? No, I don't think we need that. I, I quite like the fact that they're just like, and out we go. They they go out and then all the kids and um, the adults who have their children back are like, wow, this is amazing. Mm. And uh, the, the car's wings come up and off they go. Mm-hmm. And then we come straight back to the beach. Exactly the same shot we had when the story started to be told. So at this point I'm thinking, right, the whole thing has been a story. It's nice and clear now. But this was where I was like, but. So. There's obviously issues with the the um, lovely, lonely man. This mm. is where I really noticed that bit. So the stage musical finishes here. Okay. The last song in the stage musical is called Chitty Flies Home. And it is just them singing Chitty again as the car flies over the audience, which is incredible it's magic i saw the clip you showed me it's very cool it's magic (laughs) yeah actual witchcraft and while that is happening truly is still in her music box outfit caractacus has just put a jacket on over the top they've had them they're like we're in love with each other moment and they fly home yeah and grandpa is in the car with them and that's the end we resolve things a little bit before yeah but you know that's the end of the show is we fly home and it was all real. But here, what we have is a joke from J&J saying about how... Oh, oh and Daddy and Truly get married and live happily ever after. Yes, and Truly's like all like, well, yes, I quite like that. She's like, is that how the story ends, Cracticus? And Cracticus is like... <laughs> we should go home, it's late. <laughs> yeah. And he... He is his own worst He apologises mm. for the joke and she's like, well, I don't... I don't understand why you're apologising. I don't think it was a joke. And I think your reactions are really, really nasty and unkind. Yes. So she says to him, he brings up that 
she is very rich and they're not. I can understand that. It's a case of like, you are marrying below your Way station. below your we station. We have nothing to give you. And it would be unkind of... He comes at it from a... I understand why he comes at it from this perspective. It's like, I have two children. I have no money. However, you, yeah. the way he phrases it isn't great. And no. so she says, if I had said any of that, you would call me a snob. And yeah. she walks away, which is fair enough. And this is where we should have lovely, lonely man. Mm-hmm. because and even then it becomes there's more personality so you can still have the beautiful sweeping shots but it's there's anger to her performance yeah it's like oh i hate him but he's changed me but we don't so hey ho the kids are in the car saying they want more truly and they arrive home and they see that mr scrumptious is playing war with grandpa mm-hmm um, I, I quite like this sequence here. Like yeah, he's throwing so things at them. We find out that Mr. Scrumptious was Grandpa's brigadier. Yeah. He says the line, attacking from the rear, that's unethical, which I thought was funny. Hilarious. And uh, it emerges that he wants to buy the whistles as canine candy. Yeah, we'll call them woof treats. Yeah. That's a terrible name, but, you know. And we don't get... I mean, it, it's a shame the Looney Tunes section has kind of finished here because if it was still, you know looney tunes then we'd have um you know how like the eyes do the dollar sign thing mm-hmm. that's what we'd have Cha-ching. with yeah with caracatus because he realized like he's in the money yeah and so he immediately jumps back in his car yeah to see truly because they're now truly equal yep and just as he rushes off to find her running gag number three She's she back in drives the lake. back into the lake. Do you think she was coming to see him to be like, I'm so sorry? I think she got home and found out that, oh, your father's around his house. Yeah, she. I think she'd seen the contract. She says something about it, doesn't she? Yeah. Uh, he proposes to Truly with a kiss. Mm-hmm. They kiss and she's like, well, I guess we have to be married now. Well, Mr. Potts, now you'll have to marry me. Hilarious. And someone says, so dreams can come true. Was that her that says it? No, it's Jemima. Jemima. No, because the kids aren't here at this point. This is as they grease lightning fly up into the sky. Oh, I guess it is her then. So, so, yeah. And he says, a man should keep his feet on the ground, ironically, as Chitty flies off. Mm-hmm. And we get the finale version of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah. So that's but this is where we start having to say double chitties as we sing, because it's oh chitty you chitty pretty chitty bang bang, it's which a is very really difficult hard to song sing. to sing. Like it is very very difficult to sing. Oh chitty and chitty pretty chitty bang bang chitty chitty bang bang. What will do? I'm kind of hopeful that's not the song. We, we that is not the song. That we I'm haven't recorded the sing. song yet. We always record the song kind of midway through. We haven't. Please don't make me sing chitty chitty bang bang. I'm not going to. <laughs> it's very tongue twistery. What is your best song? You said you'd struggle to get a skip song. And at a push, you would say, Lovely Lonely Man. Mm-hmm. What is your best song in this one, then? Mm. Music Box slash Truly Scrumptious. Okay. The two of them together. I think it's so gorgeous. And then Posh, because I sing that all the time. I I did put me old bamboo and I've got you mm-hmm. mostly because like I enjoyed them for the extra kind of layer of seeing the origin of songs I recognised. Mm-hmm. But I think of a song I had no expectation of coming in, posh, 
is 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 fantastic. Like yeah. posh is a real treat. And the extended because it's quite short in the film, the extended musical version is really nice. They add to it nicely. Yeah. So posh posh is an honourable mention, but I, I just really enjoyed the whole aspect of Neil Bamboo, like the, the dancing, everything about that number. I could see myself adding that. Um, I've got you is okay. It's an it's a really nice song for building the world. Like as oh, a you first, too. yeah, yeah, as a first song, it does so much for the character dynamics mm-hmm. and from a storytelling perspective, it does what it needs to and then some. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's why I think it's one of my favourite songs, just because it's so important. My skip song is both "Lovely Lonely Man" and "Roses of Success." Yeah, um, I get I, why. I understand. Do you think your only skip song then, the only thing you have that's even closer is Lovely Lonely Man? Or is there anything else that you think? No, I just think they're all so good. Okay. Even Lovely Lonely Man is so nice. I, I could have added a few more songs to it, I have to admit. Dole on a Music Box is an okay song. I think it's more the spectacle than anything else with that one. Um, Harsher by Reprise was not a fan of. But it's a nice song. Yeah. It's an okay song. It's not one I could see myself wanting to listen to again. The truly scrumptious song. I didn't like the second bit where she starts singing it. I was happier when it was just the kids singing yeah. about her. Um, I did also really like Toot Sweets. I think that's a really good like first big energetic number. Mm-hmm. Which role would you want to play with this one? Oh, I wonder. And aged Baroness. Yeah, I wanted to be Jemima so bad when I was a kid. Yeah, I can. I aged out of that very quickly because I didn't actually see this film until I was about the age that Jemima is played at. It's like eight or nine. Yeah. And then obviously, truly, I just, the idea of performing Doll in a Music Box live while you're stood on a little mini revolve Mm. with the mirrors behind you and having to remember to move. There's a lot to do there. It's so good. And she did that in one take in the film, by the way. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I I do have three roles I'd like to play, which basically is all the male roles. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Dick Van Dyke. There's so much fun to that character. Mm. I could see myself having fun playing the Baron. Yeah. I'd like to be the child catcher. I feel like the child catcher is massively underutilized in this. Yeah. Considering how like iconic he is. And I'm sure the stage show maybe adds a bit more to it. So he maybe has more to do. Mm. But if you factor in, he's maybe only on screen for like five minutes at most. Yeah. And when I was watching the making of for both this and for the stage show, they had a lot of the cast from the ensemble, but including the Baroness and the Baron, be in the background of other yeah. scenes just to pad out characters. But the child catcher is in nothing other than his own scenes. Which is fair, because I think he needs to have If you spot that. him, you don't want but, to. Yeah, exactly. He needs to have that gravitas, and it needs to be a character that you are scared of. And if you see him crop up before, he's not as scary. Mm. But certainly should have more to do, I feel. Who's your MVP of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, Dick Van Dyke. It's always going to be Dick Van Dyke. I will say, this film is only as successful as it is partly because of the practical effects, because they are all practical effects. Like, the car does these things, Mm -hmm. and they are also MVPs. Yes, the car does actually fly. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean. Yeah, I do. 
But I think in terms of on-screen performance, it it really is Dick Van Dyke. He carries this. Mm -hmm. There's no other character that I feel really is as, like, good. You know, Um, they're obviously great performances, but it's so, so pivotal in him. Maybe Grandpa. Like, if he's not as good as he is, Posh falls apart. Yeah. But... He's funny in his own little quips and things, but he's not in it as much. No, exactly. The um in the research I was doing when I was reading about this, I in many different places, which leads me to believe that it's true, it came up over and over again that Ken Hughes did not like directing children. Yeah. And he struggled with directing them because obviously children don't react to things the same way as adults do. He, from what I read, comes across as a very forthright gentleman yes um and we'll just tell you exactly what he wants but you can't do that with children you have to be a bit nicer to them yeah um and so it fell to dick van dyke and the actress playing truly to direct the children and also entertain them on set and they had to keep telling ken hughes to stop swearing in front of them so they really did become like parent figures yep that's a shame i mean it's one of those it, it makes you appreciate Dick Van Dyke and truly even more. Yeah, it definitely does. And it makes you very glad that there's a lot of change in, you know, working with children in 2021, that mm-hmm. those sort of working environments will not be allowed. Yeah. Um, it's a shame that that happened, but I guess <laughs> the better director's got something magical out of the children. It's better than... I mean, me and St. Louis. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. If you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to what they did to the kids in that film. Yes, go back into our archives. Over on Instagram, 89% of you said yes, you were fans of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. 11% say no. Who doesn't like Chitty? Who are you people? Well, I will tell you, it is not Elena. Yes, because I can imagine she sent us a full essay. Elena has sent us some fantastic comments Mm -hmm. via her Instagram account, uh, Vintage broadway 19 go and check it out for some awesome theater content over Mm -hmm. on instagram first of all it's a brilliant film it was one of my absolute favorites growing up and i probably wore out my vhs tape of it same it's visually stunning to watch as a child with all the colors costumes and overall magical feel of it it taught me that not everyone sees things the way that you might for instance jeremy and jemima see the car as a wondrous automobile as a wondrous (laughs) as a wonderful automobile mobile Automobile. Automobile. With magical qualities. <laughs> sorry. Sometimes sorry. I struggle with words. For instance, Jeremy and Jemima see the car as a wonderful automobile. Mobile. Damn it. <laughs> with magical qualities while it's sitting in a metal junkyard. Children can always use their imaginations to turn something ugly or ordinary into something spectacular. That's what I love about teaching as well. I have the chance to connect with that spark of imagination. And I completely agree with you. You know, there is that magic moment when children make a connection, you know, that adults don't. Adults don't. The casting in this was brilliant. I so wish Sally Ann Howes could have been in more and not compared as much to Julie Andrews. I, yeah, actually, that's a fair point. Her career probably didn't take off in the way people would anticipate because... Yeah. Well, sadly, was, Julie Andrews was offered the role before her. In the same as Bedknobs and Broomsticks then that people yeah. just wanted. But also, Sally Ann Howe went on to play Eliza Doolittle after Julie Andrews had. She was the immediate successor to the role. And 
Julie Andrews then followed My Fair Lady back to the UK yeah. for the performances here. And so Sally and Howes got to audition for the role of Truly. So I just... I think it's just poor timing, but they do have very similar casting types. Yeah. But then so do hundreds of thousands of women. Exactly. So, you know, it's just unfortunate for her. Elena does say they are similar and Howes did replace Andrews in My Fair Lady on Broadway, but she has her own unique leading lady quality. And I think this film perfectly showcases that. Mm-hmm. Her vocals are absolutely phenomenal and she's just overall such a great match for Dick Van Dyke in the film. They have wonderful chemistry. The child catcher horrified me as a child and still does. He pops up in my dreams every now and again and reminds me of my childhood nightmares that would send me running down the hall to sleep next to my parents' bed. I have seen a stage performance of the musical and I did enjoy it. I liked that it made me relive my childhood memories of watching the movie. I think that's important. It's that nostalgia, isn't it, of, you know, seeing... And I think that's why I'm excited for Bedknobs and Broomsticks. It's obviously not nostalgic for me. It is for me. If yeah. This is the thing. Bedknobs and Broomsticks is going to go either way for me. This is going to be such a Marmite musical because am I going to be upset that it's not... School of Rock for me, I think, is the closest I have to a nostalgic musical. Mm. In terms of, obviously, the, the source material is not a musical, but I love the film. Well, if you think about the way that people got so upset, and I am one of these people, over the new Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. And over a lot of the Disney remakes is because we grew up with these films. And if you are sort of our kind of age, you're the generation that these films was for. Yeah. And while, yes, okay, I suppose they're making them for the kids that are now the right age for it, at the same time, like, it's not my bell. No. <laughs> my Gaston. I like, I like Luke, Luke Evans' Kevin's Gaston. Gaston. I have no problems with well, It's Luke like what we were saying with Space Jam too, though, is who is this film for? Because yeah. I don't think it's for kids. Looney Tunes mean nothing. Yeah, the additions nowadays. that they made. We could do a whole episode on Beauty and the Beast. We're not going to. We've both seen it. But... The additions that they made to that were only aimed at people who had seen it before. Yeah. You have to have seen the animated one for that film to make any sense. Yeah. Which is bad filmmaking, in my opinion, but you know. Elena f- finalises by saying, I showed this to one of my music classes when I was filling in for the teacher as a sub. I thought maybe they wouldn't like it as much as I did because kids today perhaps don't enjoy older movie musicals, but they were absolutely entranced. I so enjoyed seeing the expressions on their faces, especially when Chitty is first revealed after Potts fixes her up. That is a magical moment. Mm. I agree with that. I agree. Um, and then when she began to fly for the first time, they audibly gasped. And that was a magical moment for me. This film, I think, is timeless and will forever be in my top 10 must-watch movies. Thank you, Elena. I, I, I can see exactly what you mean about this being a timeless movie. Mm, I agree. Bar one line, it is pretty timeless. Yeah. Over on Twitter, 29% of people said it's all right. How do you think it went on, on Twitter? Do you think more people liked or disliked it? I want to say liked because it's just such a good film, but I know what Twitter's like. You would be correct because 56% of people said, yes, Chitty, we love you. Good. Whereas only 15% of people said, no, Chitty, we love you. Oh, that's sad. I can't believe anybody doesn't like Chitty. And I think it must... I can only assume it comes down to if you saw it as an adult rather than as a kid. I think there's also the element maybe of the child catcher being so traumatic that you could never revisit it because it just scared you Mm. and puts you off of it. My brother won't give Black Cauldron a try 
because it scared him so much what? as a child. Black Cauldron is so good. But I think that, again, that nostalgia, that fear factor, if you've grown up seeing this child catch and you turned off at that point, you were like, I can't watch this. Yeah. That's going to have tainted it forever. And when people talk about Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, all you think is a child catch, it's like, no, no, I'm not willing to watch it. So maybe there's 15% of people that for them it's the child catcher mm. theater flashbacks at theater flashback one ah this film is phantasmagorical always loved it it's annoying though that people think it's a disney film it's not nope. um, a lot of people working on this film also did mary poppins sherman bros mark uh, breo and dd wood choreographed erwin costal score mm-hmm. i think that's it's, it's really really easy to model that i think because of how many people worked on both so many gorgeous sherman brothers songs you two truly scrumptious dole on a music box wonderful at exit underscore music this has some fantastic song sequences the songs will get stuck in your head watching it when i was a kid i thought it was a mess with a lot of catchy songs i didn't really appreciate until i was older and better understood the story Mm -hmm. at we underscore westy 27 simply said danny will love this at Hamilton Bros Pod said uh, we both were scared by the child catcher as kids, and they also did an episode on this a while ago. Um, so I'm sure you can check that one out as well. It's one that's on my to listen to list. Mm-hmm. I haven't yet scored this one. Yeah, because I like it, but I don't know if I love it. Yeah. And I wanted to wait until I spoke with you about it because you do tend to find a way to make me like things a little bit more than maybe my gut instinct is sometimes. Mm. I think overall I'm going to give this one four out of five stars. Yay, that's way more than I thought you were going to. I think at one point I was seeing it as a three-star film, but I did enjoy it. It's so good. I just think it's over long at times that... I'm sure the musical stage version will have cut a lot of that filler and replaced it with songs. Mm. And I feel like that will become better. Like if we ever get a chance to see the stage show, that will be a five star for me because it'll take a lot of the things seemingly you told me this now, a lot of the things that I kind of took issue with. Yeah. That maybe, you know, the benefit of hindsight and 40 years. Yeah. There'll be changes. There'll be changes. There'll be there'll be changes. Yeah, I, 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 I credit them for sticking with the story narrative. You know that like this is a story. The second half, I like it. The first act is it's the real world. The second act is a fake storytelling world, which is why we get some fantastic, phantasmagorical. What's the word? Phantasmagorical. Which is why we get some phantasmagorical things that makes sense to me i'm really glad it's not england is stuffy and boring but vulgaria is magical because mm-hmm. that would have been so lame yeah I, I i much prefer it being the story within a story yeah i could completely get on board with the fact that chitty is a magical car as well but i liked this however i think they need to rework the order based on the narrative they had and as a result, like, it affected the way I looked at Truly and a little bit at Mr. Potts. Mm. So it loses the stuff of that and just being a little bit over long sometimes and, you know, a little bit dull for a kid's film at times. Yeah. That opening especially. 
Next week, though. Will next week be a four-star? Yes. We're off to Cornwall. We're off on our summer holiday. Yes, indeed. So what better way to set the tone? We will be going on Tuesday. What mm -hmm. better way to set the tone with... The pirate movie. Do you think I'll like it? Because this isn't Pirates no, of Penzance, is it? It is Pirates of Penzance. Oh, it is Pirates the of Penzance. The premise is it's Pirates of Penzance reimagined for the 80s or the 60s. I can't remember which off the top of my head right now. Will it matter that I've not seen Pirates of Penzance? Like, is that going to be a... No, weirdly, I think you'll be able to tell which are the songs from Pirates of Penzance and which are the new songs. Well, no, but in the... I guess to play devil's advocate, will my enjoyment of it go down because I haven't seen Pirates of Penzance? No. Okay. The plot is basically the same. Well, that's next week's episode. And tomorrow, if you're listening to this on launch day, mm -hmm. so speaking to you from the past in the future, hello, on uh, the 2nd of August. Tomorrow, we're off to the theatre once more. We're going to go see Be More Chill. Yay. And that episode will be coming at you on the 16th of August. So watch this space. We've got some great content lined up. Yes, indeedy. As always, you can get yourself involved in the conversation over on Twitter and Instagram at It's A Musical Pod. Let us know your thoughts. If you have seen the pirate movie, do not put any spoilers because Danny is going into this so blind. I really am going in so, so blind. I know the musical man did an episode that you won't let me listen to. Yes. like spoilers. And... Musical Mash, who is fantastic over on Jim and Tomic. Tommy watched the pirate movie on a YouTube video and we are slowly making our way through all of his fantastic YouTube videos. But this is one you cannot watch because... Yeah. Well, it's like we watched the Sister Act one way after we watched after Sister Act. Sister and it, 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 I like that. I think having seen those musicals, it makes me enjoy his quality content even more. So yes, uh, Please, please, please do not please spoil, it spoil it for me. It's so we funny. will be putting up a poll, but bear in mind when I tend to put up the poll, it's usually but the day yes of watching. No. Yeah. <laughs> we want your thoughts, obviously. Um, but just bear in mind if we don't get back to you, it's because I am saying spoiler free. Speaking of, follow us on Twitter and other such places. Yes, at It's a Musical Pod. You can also subscribe to us on a multitude of good podcasting platforms. There's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, the Amazon Music app under Library, Stitcher and Podbean. I learned from listening to Best Film Ever's latest episode that um, after 100 episodes, Apple stopped showing the older content and will only show them the more recent 100 episodes. And, you know, with our bonus episodes, I think we're creeping up to that number. Mm. So... We might have to start saying, and you'll find our archives over on podbean.com. Yeah, that's uh, weird. So uh, if you start to go to re-listen to some of our older episodes, Phantom, Joseph and Newsies, and you can't find them on Apple Podcasts, please do let us know. But from my understanding, you'll still be able to find them on the archives over at podbean.com. And if you like what we do, make our day. Go over to Apple Podcasts. Go over to Chartable. Go over to podchaser.com and leave us a five-star review and let us know what you like about our show and tell a friend. Maybe they'll tell three friends. Mm -hmm. I want to say thank you again because our uh, episode covering Cinderella was phenomenal. Yeah. Know, our best performing episode in, yeah, in its initial one-week launch. So thank you to everyone who listened to it. I, I saw that we charted in 
Norway, in France, in South Africa, in Great Britain. That's amazing. So thank you if you, you know, everyone who listens, thank you for helping this podcast grow than the way it has. You know, this is mainline episode 70. Did you think we'd be here 70 episodes later? Mm, No, but also yes. (laughs) Because you just like watching the musicals. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I was going to force you to watch musicals whether or not we did this. Yeah, there was a time where I'd be like, Drew, we could watch this musical, but that's one less for the podcast. Yeah, that's how you got me to not watch musicals with you. And now you're stuck with me. So So if I'm going down, I'm taking you all with me. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you next week. Same bat place, same bat channel. We love you all. Have a magical musical Monday. And we'll see you next week for Pirate Hell. (laughs) I am the Pirate King.